episode 386 of the PlayStation Nation podcast with you as always. I'm Glenn along with Josh Lankford. Hello. And uh, we just did probably one of our better interviews ever, I think. Hmm. It was just so much fun. It was uh, fun. Yeah. So uh, we talked to uh, David Nottingham from uh, Dynamite about Counterspy. Uh, this is the same gentleman that we talked to in the E3 interview, uh, the video that we put up from E3. So if you uh, saw that, we're talking to this gentleman more. It was so much freaking fun. Uh, the time got away from us, actually. So one of our longer interviews ever, but it's totally worth it. It's a great listen, and, uh, man, it was fun. So uh, we've got some new releases, his interview, uh, a couple of news items, what we're playing and watching, uh, Josh's review of Madden NFL 15 for the PS4, my review of Infamous First Light for PS4, uh, we'll talk some PayPal stuff. Uh, we got some emails on people that have put two terabyte drives in their PS4, so we'll uh, Ooh, go through a few of those. And uh, maybe some emails and stuff. So I think this is going to be a long one tonight. <laughs> well, we're already roughly two and a half hours <laughs> past when we normally start, and we're just starting now. Well, so. but we did an hour of content already. Yeah, but still. Yeah, it's late. Yeah, it's late. So... And I had a good job interview today, so I'm actually in a good mood for a change. Hmm. Yeah. So, all right. New releases, Josh. New releases for the PS4 from Tecmo Koei. Warriors Orochi 3 Ultimate. Ultimate. For $59.99. And we do have this one for review. Our, uh, our, one of our JRPG writers, Andy, has this one. So uh, looking forward to what he has to say about the game. Mark was always Excellent. a Warriors crotch fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, he loves uh, the Warriors crotch. For the Vita from NIS America, we have Danganronpa style. Rope, rope, rope. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair for thirty nine ninety nine. Hmm. And I actually think we have that one for review as well. Uh, let's see here. I think MJC's got that one. So we're going to have both of those covered. See, this is cool because this one, I don't know if this one was initially supposed to come here. It's, oh, okay. You know, there was a Japanese import of it that was floating around uh, for like 70, 80 bucks. Um, hmm. But it's here, which is cool. That's pretty fans. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a popular, like the first one was really popular. But we're seeing a lot of that from like NIS America and um, uh, Atlas. Uh, who's the other one? There's another one in there. Well, there's NIS America, there's Atlas, there's Xseed. Xseed, yeah. Uh, Tecmo Koei does a lot of these. Well, the Koei side of Tecmo Koei. They're, they're bringing a lot of these um, crazier or... I mean, not necessarily crazier, but not necessarily Western-type games over to the West, uh, which, you know, have a pretty good fan base here. So, Well, I think that's one of the advantages of the Internet compared to when these games came out in Japan, you know, years ago, when it was just EGM and Die Hard Gamer and everything else, is that I think especially Western gamers that are into this kind of thing are a lot more uh, informed now. And they know that, hey, this game's out. I really want this. They can look at YouTube videos. They can look at all kinds of things and kind of make their decision up front. Yeah. And I, it sounds like these publishers are starting to listen to that fact 
And if they can make the transition over here cheap enough, because localization is not a cheap thing. But if they can do it just where it's subtitles and not have to worry about the voice acting in, in some instances, and they can make it work, they can make a profit off of it. So it's, it's kind of cool that this is all happening. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Not my kind of game, but it's cool you know, the fans are getting them, though. All right. I have a proposition for those Japanese developers. Oh, boy. <laughs> Does this involve $1 million on a yacht? Uh... A mansion on a yacht. Okay, a mansion on a yacht. My name is Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion on <laughs> a yacht. yacht. Again! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. Alright, I just lost Glenn. <laughs> oh, that was one of my favorite things back in the day. Again! Um, so, my, my proposition is, like you said, one of the biggest problems is localization right you have this built-in rabid fan base who desperately wants these games to come over i guarantee if you offer up an early copy of the game maybe a signed copy of the game and like something else from from the development studio Mm -hmm. a dedicated fan here would do that translation for you that's a very, very good possibility. <laughs> uh, and actually, there, there's a precedent set already. Because a lot of games out there that have never been, out, brought, been brought over to the West, including East 4, East 4, there's a fan translation out there. Yeah. And it's not just one person, though. It's usually a group of people that does it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, if, if they could work something out with these people, you know, you, you, it makes so, total sense. Because there's actually a way to um, take East 4 on the PC Engine. And there's a fan translation file that you can put in the image and burn it so it works on your Turbo Duo. Hmm. And you can play it in English subtitles. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been going on, going on for years and years and years. And I totally agree with you that they should kind of harness some of that uh, fan base. Yeah, they, they really should. Um, because you, you've got that, that dedicated base that, desperately wants these games over here yeah and they would do it you know and you know i get it there's there's money involved there's whatever but if this was something that i was really passionate about i wouldn't really be looking for money no i i'd be happy to do it just to make sure that the game came to the u.s and do something special for those people like you said yeah i think that would go over huge yeah yeah good idea josh thank you now you're out of them for a month now everybody, all all you developers in Japan and elsewhere in the world, get on that. <laughs> I think we have like five downloads in Japan. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just get on that, and you know, maybe Yakuza Four could come over that way. No, we have four, <laughs> five. We want five. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, my brain. Oh, four is so damn good. I actually ended up going to my house this weekend, and I grabbed my copy of Four because I want to play it. Get farther into it. We've been talking about Yakuza so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grabbed my copy of 4 and it's sitting there right by the PS3 right now. But instead I played Panel Plants versus Zombies Garden Warfare. Oh, there's a yeah. good idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> so we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> the things I do. People don't understand the, the sacrifices I make on a daily basis. Oh, yes. I had to play a game. Yeah, well, but we have to play the good and the bad. I'm not saying that game's bad, but... Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, all right, enough of that. Uh, one of the games that uh, we both have been pretty excited about, and it's been out for a week now, uh, Counter Spy. So we wanted to talk to uh, somebody from Dynamite, and luckily we were able to get uh, Mr. Nottingham on again with us. Uh, so we were going to do this last week, and then something came up at the last minute, and we had to push it off to this week. Uh, but as you'll hear, it, it got kind of interesting because we kind of were able to do not really a full post postmortem on the game, but to get some insight on, you know, after the first week of this game being out and, and how it's being received, kind of uh, how they're responding to this. So, uh, man, we had a lot of fun with this. So without further ado, David Nottingham from uh, Dynamite, take a listen. Well, we had to delay a week since... Uh these guys were off partying for the launch of the game, but uh, we had to talk to him again. Uh, so David Nottingham from Dynamite's on the line with us uh, to talk about Counter Spy. So how's it going, sir? Uh, good. How, how's it going with you guys? Uh, Sorry good. I couldn't be here last week. Well, that's okay. It sounds like it was uh, it was worthwhile. So we, we allowed you to. We gave you a pass. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I think last so last week the game was like literally just about to to launch. Right. Right. So it was, yeah. I was probably pretty stressed. <laughs> um, would have been fairly talkative, but um, it's kind of cool to be a week after uh, launch. I, you're actually the first guys we've really kind of talked to after the game Aww. dropped. And we've sort of had a week, a week into it. We have a little bit of sort of perspective reflecting on how it's gone, which has been nice. Oh, good. Well, that'll like, maybe we'll uh, talk a little bit about that stuff then. Mm. So, uh, yeah, why not? We talked to you at E3 on, on, you know, the videos up on YouTube. Uh, and Josh did that interview very well, by, by the way, Josh. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> good job, Josh. Well, I, had a, I had a good subject there. Was, yeah. yeah. So if you can get me talking and sounding passionate, you've done a good job. Oh, he so, did. Thank you. Yeah, you uh, you guys really <laughs> you guys seem to hit it off there. Um, so, I mean, is the game doing as well as you expected it to do? You know, we're a week out now. It's been out for a week. Mm. What, what's it been like? I mean, how, how's the response been overall? So, yeah, I mean. I suppose it's kind of hard to gauge, like it's our first game, you know, so it's not like we have a measuring stick of like our, our deep portfolio of games to measure against. Um, but I think the thing that's been really awesome for me is sort of you're living in, in the way that we live in this age today where we're so connected, right? Right. Um, with Twitter and Twitch and like all these different uh, ways that um, people playing your game can kind of reach out and connect with you. And there's obviously sort of um, both positives and negatives to that in terms of some of the recent stories that have been going around in, in social media. But like, yeah. I think for us, um, it's really exciting because you, you get to see people playing your game, you get people talking, um, you know, we've had a, so many people sort of reaching out saying, hey, I really love the game. And it's like, on the one hand, you know, reviews are awesome and they're important. And so we're, we're, we're thankful for the job that you guys do. <laughs> but the people that are paying for the game and playing it, like if they like the game and they're letting you know that, like that's the best feeling in the world. It kind of makes a lot of the you know, hard work and late nights worthwhile. So I think for us that that's been the, the sort of most enjoyable part of the last week. It's like, oh, okay, we can, we can obviously 
relax a little bit, like it's out now, um, and we're starting to engage with the community and talk to people on Twitter and, yeah, just sort of seeing people playing the game. It's awesome. Nice. Well, that, that's always though a weird thing. I mean, you, you'll see a lot of times either a fan base or like the media really love a game and then all of a sudden it hits the other side and there's a lot of hate and you don't understand why. So I'm sure that's always a big fear right before you launch a game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like cause I, I haven't had much experience uh, on that side of things yet. Um, but I mean, for the most part, we've had a lot of people just, um, you know, we've had emails as well as, as people talking on Twitter, contacting us. And, and so we're, we're try also um, wanting to engage with people and, and show how much it means to us, you know, because it does mean a lot to us that right. the people who sort of bought the game and are playing it are kind of feeling strongly enough to reach out and nice. talk to us. Yeah, I see Chaz, one of our writers, actually just tweeted you guys about five minutes ago about the leaderboards. So, oh, uh, oh yeah. Well, see, and I already responded to it, right? Yeah, I think he's like number six on the leaderboards right now. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. So, yeah. uh, talk, for those that haven't played the game yet, haven't read the reviews, or anything else, for somebody that had, knows nothing about it, I guess give us kind of a, a high level overview of what the game's about. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, so it's a side-scrolling action game first and foremost, uh, action stealth, I should say. And it's really, it's kind of our love letter to all those sort of classic side-scrolling arcade-style games that, that we played as a kid. Um, I don't know what game, like, do you guys have any particular favorites in that genre that you played growing up? <laughs> Josh? <laughs> we talked about that. Uh, Rolling Thunder? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Rolling Thunder is the one that comes up a lot. Um yeah. Um, so many people reference that. Um, and I think I mentioned before when we talked about it that, like, I didn't, I don't, I'm not aware how much of an influence it was, but it's come up so often that it must have been some sort of subconscious influence. Well, um, you know I'll, I'll say one thing. I've, I've been playing it. Uh, I played a lot uh, yesterday and today. <clears throat> and um, it was my first chance to really sit down with it since E3. Um, mm. and the more I got into it, you know, it's, I think the, the rolling thunder thing, it's, it's very superficial. Yeah, um, I agree. It's just a first glance. Right. It reminds you of rolling thunder, but when you start to play it, it's, it's not like rolling thunder at all. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really not. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Thank I've been you. So much fun with it. I, I couldn't put it down. I, and what surprised me was like Glenn was trying to explain how the save game works, like between the two or between the three, you know, uh, platforms. And mm -hmm. I was playing it on the PS4. I saw something on Twitter, uh, like a thread on NeoGAF about it, I think, or somewhere. <clears throat> and somebody said, Oh, you can't the, you have to delete your save entirely and what? it doesn't work with the save. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what they were talking about. And I had played it on the PS4 last night. I picked up the Vita today, and I thought, well, I didn't do anything for the save. Oh, well, I'll start over. I started up my Vita, and it was just there. It's yeah, a continue yeah. game. And that's, that's a great yeah, thing. I mean, People need to know about that, that yeah. you don't have to do anything. It just, you just stop the game somewhere. You start the game somewhere else. It's great. Yeah, I think that's one of the real strengths of the sort of PlayStation platform with, with Vita and and 
PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, right? Like that's where you really sort of see the promise of of how the platforms can all work together. Like the cross save yeah. functionality. I don't think I even kind of realized at the time when we were doing it how how cool that that would be. Um, I've been there playing a lot of Rogue Legacy as well, and that's another game that's great at sort of switching back and forth from Vita when you're on the road. Um, yeah, no, that's great, and and I'm glad you're uh, glad you're enjoying it. Um, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> well, we're just going to go over, over we, kind we of an overview. With a question somewhere, right? Um, oh, wait. So you were still you were asking me about the game. Well, obviously, people who are listening to this, I'm sure, have read uh, your review of, <laughs> no, of they the haven't. game. It's the internet. They don't want to read anything when we can tell them. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, side-scrolling, action stealth, uh, it's a game in which you're taking on two uh, world powers, uh, the imperialists and the socialists. So you're, it's a fictionalized version of the Cold War. You're a member of this agency that's called Counter, that's neither... Um, you know, you're neither West or East. You're kind of considered a rogue agency. So it's almost like if you think about the Bond movies, you're like Spectre, but you're the good guys. Right. So we wanted to sort of put our own spin on um, the sort of classic uh, espionage genre of the 50s, 60s era where you'll have like a CIA agent or MI5 or whoever. And we, we kind of wanted to make it our own thing and come up with our own identity, which is why we also flipped it where instead of having like the arch villain, you know, industrialist, it's, it's like the superpowers are the supervillains. So they're, they're the ones that are trying to blow up the moon. Um, you know, and that's something which, again, we talked about before, but it was, it's just one of those sort of crazy, um, Truth is stranger than fiction. Facts, when you actually look and see that the U.S. did have a plan in 1958 uh, where they developed um, a plan to launch nuclear missiles at the moon. Yeah, that's well, actually, it's funny. I had just read about that before E3 and then we were talking about it at E3 and I was like, oh, yeah, like I I know I just read about it. Um, But have you seen between E3 and now? Uh, a video surfaced of a nuclear weapon that they set off in orbit in the fifties uh, that they actually I, did. It, yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's hmm. crazy. It knocked out power all over Hawaii and parts of right. somewhere else in the Pacific, but they it's, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. There's this really long video that's been declassified where they, they launch yeah. it from somewhere in the Pacific and then blow it up in the upper atmosphere, like in, on the edges of space, just to see what it would look like blowing it up in space. It's <laughs> 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 just insane. Let's see if it burns isn't up the it, atmosphere now. Not, like, oh, let's see what would happen if we did that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I suppose that's, that's the thing, like, you, there's a lot of crazy stuff on YouTube, actually. If you start just... Um, I mean, that's a, that's a rabbit hole you can go down. But if you start, like, doing searches for nuclear test explosions, 
like there's all these amazing ones where they're like, oh, let, let's see what happens if we detonate a nuclear device. And then, hey, you guys, you soldiers, come over here. We want you to get up and like walk towards yeah. that glass site. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, and you see these old like from from Hawaii, Bikini Atoll or wherever, and you see like photos of of the the detonation, and everyone's just sort of hanging out there watching it, like, oh, yeah, hey, this is cool. Um, yeah, and I suppose it's just one of those things that, um, it's crazy. Like when you look at just, I suppose the things that, um, governments can do or anyone can do really sort of that, that have a huge, huge effect on everyone, (laughs) but they're just kind of like, Oh, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Well, I, what I really like leading into that is that, um, in all the loading screens, you have little facts and things yes. and little crazy facts and things. The the bomb that had dropped over North Carolina, I had yeah. read about that one too, yeah. uh, like a year ago. Um, the, that, yeah, that, the, that was that just... That one was crazy. Yeah, that was so frightening. And the only reason the bomb didn't go off is because like a like a 50-cent fuse or something... Right. had broken or or was or was not set right some right, something right. happened there but the the bomb yep. yeah. yeah it was like all the fa- all the fail safes failed and except for if that it had one gone off it probably would have started world war 3 we probably either just to cover it up <laughs> out yeah. of embarrassment right. let's just destroy the, Russians the world did it. <laughs> you know or we would have thought the russians did it and launched missiles at russia <laughs> so right. it's insane cuz target number 1 is north carolina one, yeah. The other one you saw, um, you know that for years the the nuclear launch codes were set to zero zero, which <laughs> is something that's built right into the game as well, which is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, and that's just one of those things. It's so it's so um, kind of ironic because that's the thing. Everyone sets their password to either password or zero zero zero, right? And you're like. <laughs> Oh, come on. Who does that, really? Like, you know, when you read all these um, stories that are like, yeah, 60% of online people, like, this is the password they use, and you think, who would really do that? And then it's like, oh, no, these people in charge of your nuclear arsenal uh, had their launch code set to zero, 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 zero. Um, (laughs) One, two, three, four, five. That's the same password as my luggage. Right. I suppose it's like, you can kind of laugh or cry at some of that stuff. But um, I, I think that um, it's, yeah, I mean, I suppose, um, again, it, it's a video game. We're, we're trying to be playful and playful in tone. But, um, you know, that particular era, there's, there's a lot of sort of um, pretty crazy stuff that we thought was interesting to shine a spotlight on as part of making this game. So, nice. Um, yeah. Um, so let's take, let's do one of these questions from, uh, from the crowd. So Josh, do you want to read that first one? Yeah, sorry. I'm, I found that thing on NeoGAF and I'm responding to it <laughs> <laughs> because it annoyed me. I was thinking about it today. Okay. Well, well let me tell you what they said because I'm, I'm clearing it up. Okay. Um, but what they said was you can transfer your progress, but it's a little tricky. Let's say you're playing on PS4. You have made some progress. Then you want to continue on the Vita. You have to use the PS4 version to transfer the save, but this deletes the save file from the PS4 so that you start from scratch. 
So you just can't play on both. Where do they you even have, get that from? You have to send the save file each time, which deletes the save file on the console you are sending mm. it from. How, how would you send the file? That makes no sense. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm telling them, <laughs> you know, that it just... Oh, NeoGAF. Well, while you're doing that, I'll... Um, oh, go ahead. I would, I mean, if, if, if anyone does encounter an issue with, like, crossover... That sounds like a bug, like, yeah. Definitely um, email us. Um, and I, I can talk to Jamie, who's, who's our backend server dude, um, and see, I mean, we've been, we've had a couple of people email with, um, issues that they've hit. And sometimes it's just a case of them not understanding how something works. Like a, a few people have emailed me about invert access going, how come there's no invert access option? And there is, I just need to kind of point them to it. Yeah, um, in I use and so if if anyone has uh, hit anything that they're not quite sure of, um, shoot us a note, uh, info at dynamite.com. dot com, and uh, yeah, as long as I don't get thousands, I'll try and reply to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Josh is doing that, I'll read the uh, the first uh, the, the the quick email now. This one is probably the biggest email that we were getting. Uh, a lot of people were asking the same question, mm-hmm. and that is uh, from Kyle Lang and a bunch of other people. It says, uh, first off, love the game. Very fun. Are you planning on any sort of DLC? Mm. Um, it's not something we had been talking about so far. Um, I'd say uh, if enough people, obviously the more people that ask for something, it becomes kind of a bigger thing. Um, but um, kind of right now we're sort of, I guess we're just sort of really focusing on this game that's just got out. Um, taking a bit of a rest, um, and and so not, I'm not exactly sure what we'll what we'll be doing next. I guess okay. I'm, I'm giving a very politician's answer to that question. Truth <laughs> is, I, I don't know. Well, the PR guy is muted on the line, so we know at any time he could get on here and just hit the red button. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, like, um, here he'd be sticking, he'd be poking me with a stick right now. <laughs> Luckily, he's not sitting next to me. So yeah, you, you'll be all right. So did you get the answer or the answer on NeoGAF now, Josh? I I stopped about halfway through. Okay, I figured it would be easier to just continue with the interview. Here. We can do but that I'm, after. I'm get, well. I'm going to tell him. You know, I'm actually talking to one of the guys right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and here's you know I'm I'm putting the email in there as well. Okay. Just in case maybe it's a bug that he he came across. I, you, you know, know stop stop trying to get a job with these guys. Yeah. Boy, I'm available. Gosh. <laughs> um, now, all right. So so the next part, I have my own question, but I'll, well, I'll use get your to own that question bit. then. All right. Um, as I was playing today. And, um, you know, cruising through the game because of the perspective and everything. And you've got guards sort of in the background that you can you can turn and shoot at and everything. Mm. I kept coming to places where I wanted desperately to go down that hallway (laughs) to go into the background. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, if I and I that may take away from the charm of the game and what the game is, but like a sequel or an add-on or something really cool <laughs> would be, you know, a change to the game where you can go down that hallway or even if it turns into like a third person thing, which yeah. makes it an entirely different game, obviously, but oh, the art style and everything. I, so I just, cause I like to explore 
and that's my thing. That <laughs> is his thing. And and I I've no, but- been digging out all the hidden stuff. You know, there's tons of hidden areas and things like that. I love it, but I when I see those places, I want to go so bad and I can't. Oh, it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you go down that corridor, I got a secret for you. If you go down that corridor and turn around the corner, there's actually nothing there. It's all the magic of video games. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I burst your bubble. It's just a matte painting. Yeah, yeah you actually reminded me of something. That was, that, oh man, that was like one of the earliest memories I had of playing video games as a kid was I would play, you know, those old 8-bit games or whatever where you're exploring. And I'd always have, like, in my head, I'd imagine, oh, if I could just get past that wall or just get through that door, there's a whole other world out there that I can explore beyond the boundaries of the video game. Um, And that was something that, but it's actually something like, I feel like if you can create that kind of feeling in a player where you, 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 they feel like they have this world that really exists, like, oh, what's down there? Or what if I could get through there? You know, they, they kind of stop thinking of it as a video game with like arbitrary rules and things. Yeah. And like, I think that's actually something really powerful to strive for. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, with this game, this is our first game, right? So um, I'm, there's, there's things that we feel like we were very successful at. There's other things where we feel like, all right, we're going to do that better next time. Like we're always, sort of looking to learn and improve. But it's also like the thing I think I feel like we, that I feel like we, we did a good job on, um, that I'm happy about at least, is that I felt like we managed to create, a, for me at least, a world and, a, and, and gameplay and everything that like feels quite cohesive. And that's something yeah. you've heard from people playing the game as well. It's, it's not just like, oh, you've got this pretty art style, but then the world is really different in tone or, oh, you've got these humorous gameplay moments, but the, the, the sort of rapper is gritty, you know, like it's, um, I think, I think I'm, I'm really happy with how we managed to pull it all together and make it feel cohesive, I guess. Well, you've also taken, sorry guys, (laughs) but you've also taken a, a classic 2d platformer, you know, and, and you've made it so much more interesting by being able to pull into that kind of 3d view and actually explore the world a little bit, even though you can't walk down that hallway, you can still see what's down that hallway or in that bathroom or whatever, and actually be able to interact with the yeah. characters and take them out. So you've done something really unique, and, and I couldn't even think of another game that did something like that. So in in a world of, you know, everybody in the world is making video games now, you've done something insanely unique that nobody else has really done that I can think of, and that's rare. And you've done it well enough. Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 a great game, and... and uh, what I said in the review was the thing that one of the things I love the most about it was the fact that like normally when I see a stealth game, I don't want to play it because it mm. doesn't really adhere to my the way I like to play games. But in this one, yeah, you can still be stealthy, but you're not totally concentrating on being stealthy. And you you've got you guys have opened it up enough where you can still play the game, and that's kind of what's first is that you can actually play the game and not worry about. I have to sneak over here for 20 minutes and sneak behind this and look at the patterns of the guys walking. You know, you you can still play the game. (laughs) You can get that uh, machine gun and just run through the levels. (laughs) (laughs) Or when the countdown is happening and you have to like dart through everybody and roll and jump and yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the, de- the DEFCON was actually one of the systems that we, we implemented to try and get away from having a game where you feel like, okay, the game requires me to be undetected, and as soon as I'm detected, it's kind of a failure state, and I should just restart, right? Like, we wanted to yeah. sort of make it a lot softer for the player. So if you want to, you can, as you know, you can just um, tool up with, like, the machine gun, go in, and if you see a bunch of dudes next to a, a red barrel, you can just, like, open up and... You know, and the game even rewards you for for stuff like that as well. Like we've got there's the stealth combos that do reward you for playing stealthy, yeah. um, but there's also the the sort of kill streak combos where if you can kind of rack up a high enough body count in a short enough time, you can earn points from that as well. Um, and that was kind of a conscious decision. Like, um, I mean, I personally I I love stealth games, and I'm a super fan of stealth games. They're also incredibly complex games to play and build often and um you know i think i think we just felt like we wanted it to be a game that was accessible to people whether you like to kind of stuff around the world and try and avoid detection or if you if you're just a type of person that does like to kind of cause chaos yeah um in some ways the sort of in some ways, the optimal approach is probably a, a bit of both, where um, you're kind of stealthing around initially a bit to sort of thin the herd, but then uh, you know, then you can kind of do mop-up duty. Um, That's what I do. When there's less guys. <laughs> <laughs> I personally love the dark guns, so I can turn themselves on themselves. Yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, definitely the secret weapon when it comes to the later difficulties where you get guys with helmets and it gets harder to just take someone out with a headshot. Um, did you guys, and have you guys tried the treaty violator? No, I haven't tried that one yet. I opened it or I got the blueprints for it, but I haven't tried yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't got the blueprints for yeah, it yet. So that's, I think that's the final one you unlock. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's sort of an unpredictable weapon. Like the dark persuader is probably one of the most powerful. Um, the treaty violates can be a lot of fun because uh, you can fire this sort of blob that attaches to guards, and then if you switch to a pistol and shoot the blob, you can um, you blow the guard up. So you can kind of turn him into a moving explosive. <laughs> so if he's patrolling near his other friends, you can ignite him at the right point and take a few guys out. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I it's 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 funny, you know. It, it, normally with this kind of thing, you're trying to figure things out and figure out what's going on and, and I caught on to it really quickly and, and uh, I normally I'm we, we when somebody goes into a game and wants to look around any every nook and cranny, we actually call it joshing a game because that's what Josh does. <laughs> and I'm not that way usually, but in this one I was. I was exploring the world mm. and the biggest thing was you don't have a timer and I'm so freaking happy you don't have a timer. Like you can go mm. through this game at your own pace. You can go through these levels at your own pace. You can you know, look around all over the place, try to find all the secret areas. And, and that's something that, like, there's been a lot of games like this lately where they kind of want you to search around, but there's a timer, and, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, very happy about that. We, so, uh, confession time. Uh-oh. Uh, we, actually had a, we actually had a timer in the game oh. at one point, like, <laughs> earlier, <laughs> earlier in development. Um, and it was kind of, yeah, we were like, you know what, this sucks. Um, and especially because the more we got into it, the more we wanted to create little 
sort of hidey holes and places for you to explore. And so if you're constantly worried about that time ticking down, uh, it just it, it just kind of totally gets away from that. And particularly if we wanted it to be a game where you could kind of play it at the pace, you know, you could control the pace that you play it in, I guess, um, then the timer just kind of flies in the face of that. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, and again, I suppose the DEF CON was, again, that kind of way because it's, it's sort of a timer, but it's not a timer. It's it's like a an escalating bar that goes up based on your activity. You can do stuff to bring it down again, and you've got plenty of time to hopefully see that it's going up before it finally gets to one, and then that's when the countdown will start. So, which usually happens to me by accident. <laughs> I'll walk into a room and like not duck behind something quick enough, and all of a sudden, boom! Like no. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely a good. Good tip. Uh, definitely, as always, when you first enter a room, look for cover. Look for a good hiding spot so you can kind yeah. of get behind cover and scope the room out. Yeah. So go over a little bit about the process of the randomly generated levels, uh, because this mm. is not procedurally generated. This is actually, is it kind of like you have a bunch of different level types and it just gets stitched together randomly? Yeah, so um, it's interesting. We sort of describe it as saying that the levels are created with procedural systems okay. as opposed to just describing the game as being a procedural game, right? Like like in the way that, say, a Spelunky is procedural. Right. Um, and, and mainly the difference is um, our game, it's all built in 3D, right? So we're kind of pushing the, the visual... Uh, the visual development, I guess, um, quite hard on it. Um, and we wanted to go for a certain look and have the world sort of built out in this 3D style, which is a lot for a small team. Yeah. Um, the, the, the compromise we had to make there was there wasn't really a way we could do that and, and have a completely random where the level is made up, where like everything gets stitched together uh, within a room, right? So basically what we did was um, all the rooms uh, in the game have uh, have been created by us, so authored by us. Those are The, the rooms themselves are authored. Right. Um, but where the procedural system kicks in is it's uh, where guards are, where they're patrolling, uh, the type of guards that you come up against, uh, where the pickups are located in the level, like what types of pickups they are, that's all procedural. Um, and then also the order of the rooms, it's kind of almost like shuffling a pack of cards. Right. Like the rooms will get reordered in a different way. And so um, and it's interesting, like we, we were worried that, um, you know, because it wasn't, everything wasn't procedural in the world, we thought people would um, sort of compare that to something like Spelunky. Go, oh, no, you know, you didn't quite go as far as, but we've actually had a lot of um, positive feedback on it. And the thing that's been really awesome has been to see how many people have played through the game on normal, then they go through again on advanced, or then they go again, play play through again, trying to finish all the trophies. And that's when they really start to notice that, um, you know, the levels are all different. And that's where you start to really see the value of that because you're like, oh, you know, I started a new game and it wasn't the same level. Right. That I played on the first. So, yeah. So I think it, um, we had some concerns about 
um, how it would work. And I think we've been pretty happy, actually, with the response. Well, I think that that brings so much value to the game, too. I mean, you're never really playing the same levels twice. And, you know, you're, but you it's still got that core gameplay no matter what. So you might get into a mission that it's actually pretty straightforward, or you might get one where all of a sudden you have, you know, three different spots where you can go down a, a floor or two. And, and it just adds to it, though, because it, it kind of... Uh, elicits that exploration aspect of the game, and, and that, that it's a lot of fun in this one. Which, like I said, I normally don't do a lot of that, and uh, mm. it, I was just losing myself in these levels. Yeah, and it's also—I mean, you'll you'll know a lot of smaller game developers are sort of there's this whole move towards using procedural elements in your game, right? And I think right. it's just because. Um, you know, if you can nail it, there you can create a lot of replay value. Um, and for a small team like for us, um, we had one environment artist who created all the uh, environments that you see in the game. So, yes. um, you know, we had a, a few level designers who were sort of gray boxing everything out, deciding where stuff needs to go. But then one artist was basically going through and creating everything that you see. So, I mean, just there's only so much content that a small team can do. And obviously replayability and giving good value to gamers is something that's super important. So uh, I think that's why you see that it's something that you see in a lot of games from smaller teams. Mm -hmm. And it, it was definitely something that was important to us. I agree. Because that's one thing that I... Ooh. Well, I mean, you do see that a lot with the indies, and, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, there there are those games out there that you get through the main story in five hours, and then there's really nothing else to do. You've gotten through the story, and it might have been a great game for five hours, but that's all you're going to play it is for five mm -hmm. hours unless you want to go play it again. And something like this, but I, I like your system a little bit more because it's random, but you're still saving progress. You know, it's 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 mm. very tough on some of these games that I've seen before where you can kind of save where you are, but you can't. And uh, the way that you guys implemented it, though, I think is, is perfect for what the game is. So you, you nailed it on the head with that. What What do you guys feel like is the kind of amount of gameplay time that you typically want for, for from, like, smaller games or games for smaller studios? Do you feel like that's a really important component of the game? Um well, there's something I wonder about because, like, I'm I'm sort of an older gamer, right? So for me, I'm like, oh, if I can jump in and play a game, and I get like four to five hours of really solid play, I'm like, that's awesome. Sure, right? I yeah. got good value. But then, you know, I know that when the younger version of me, you know, I had a ton of disposable time, right? Like, I'd want to dive in, and if I could get like if I had a great game that I loved and I could play it for a hundred hours, I'd still probably play it for another hundred if I could, you know? But but why should the, the size of the studio really, uh, like, why should that be the gauge? I mean, you look at a game, like some of the newer Call of Duties, you can get through the story in four or five hours too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, even though there's the multiplayer aspect, but there's people like Josh that don't like to play the multiplayer. And that's how many, like, 100, 200 people make, make in that game. Um, whereas you can get a Towerfall Ascension that was essentially one person, and gosh, we've spent probably 40, 50 hours playing that game. Mm -hmm. So, Well, I'll, I'll say, like, from my side, and it might be because, like, I'm as old as you, I, <laughs> I, I 
we play adventure on the Atari 2600 and you know, you could finish that game in five, 10 minutes. Sure. <laughs> um, right. But so I'm used to that, you know, I'm used to smaller games and shorter games and everything, but something like say journey, which you could get through in two and a half, three hours tops. Um, but I wanted to go back and play it again yeah. and again and again, you know, there's, there's right. something to it. And, and, with the randomness of the levels in your game and just the art style, especially the yeah. art style is just so awesome. <laughs> it's, it's one of those mm. things that you just want to experience over and over again. And it's a lot of fun to do, to do that. And I think that's for somebody like me, I think that's kind of the trick to it. You know, there, there could be a really long game that just doesn't grab me at all because the art style, the story, whatever it is about it, it's there's, there's just nothing there for me that, you know, even the play style, there's, there's just nothing there that's going to grab me. So, um, I, I, I think that, you know, you guys have hit on something already with the art style and, and the gameplay really came along with it. So, I mean, that counter spy hit the mark. Yeah pretty much in, in every category, uh, for me anyway. Well, even the fact that it's on the Vita and on the PS3, PS4, but, it, you know, the mission times fit the Vita really well, but the game overall fits mm-hmm. the home consoles. So it's it's that weird balance that you don't see in a lot of games that are crossed by on all three. And, and again, you guys hit it on the head with it because it just works mm-hmm. on all three platforms. But that's another thing that's become really, really big for me is having a game on at least two of the three, if not all three platforms where I can play it at home and then continue because when I go to work, I'm on the train for an hour and Mm -hmm. standing on the train with my Vita and playing the game for the Sly Cooper, the latest Sly Cooper for the review, I was playing it like mad at home, pushing my save over, playing it on the Vita on the way to and from work. And then coming right home and picking up again and continuing. It was amazing that I could do that and that I could do that with games like Counter Spy and, and Rogue Legacy and all these other games that are coming out now where you can just pass your save over and continue your game no matter where mm-hmm. you are. It's that is such an amazing value proposition right there that I I love it. I absolutely love it. So that's always something Yeah, I think I think um it's it, it it's I mean we we kind of said this before right that like it does feel like it could be one of those secret X factor, um you know having the games crossing over like that that is a, an awesome aspect and and certainly like for me with the Vita there's been a lot of great Vita games that are sort of exclusive to Vita but yeah. kind of like you say it's like when you get if you have a game that you get home and then you can switch and you can kick it up on the couch put it on your big TV. That continued your progress. Um, that's that's really awesome. Well, that's um, the- and I so I was just thinking. Sorry, just no. Go ahead. You know, you were talking earlier. So I mean, you guys have been saying a lot of super nice things about the game, which which I'm very sort of humbled by because it's 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 sort of you know like I don't know what's the word, but you know we spent a lot of time working on this game. Um, there's, it's like a 12 person team and we're all heads down and we have no idea 
you know, really what the response is going to be until till we put it out there. And then when people are enjoying it um, and saying nice things about it, it's it's very humbling. And it's almost like you don't know what to do with that as well, because you're not like, by, by our nature, we're not like, hey, man, yeah, we're awesome. We're like this. We're like that. We're just very much like, I really, you know, we care about this. And we put our heart and soul into it, and we, we kind of hope that that carries over, right? And I, But I think that something you touched on earlier, too, is I think that, for me, is what what is so exciting about the sort of independent games and, and games that you see from smaller teams. And I, I love AAA games, too, and I love big, awesome games like, um, you know, probably my favorite game of the last few years was Red Dead Redemption, um, but there's something when you have these small teams that are putting games together, um, that the sort of heart and the personality of the team really comes across, I think, um, and, and the passion. And so even if they're sort of limited in terms of what they can do versus the sort of big teams with all those crazy resources, um, I think there's something really unique about the fact that you can kind of really create something that has a distinctive voice. Um, and that's definitely the thing that I feel like um, we kind of managed to find through the process of making this game, like um, a bunch of us on the team, you know, we've, we've worked in, on games, we've worked on other people's games and we've been in the games industry for a while. Right. So we have experience in the craft of making games, um, but not having made games together. Mm. Um, you know, a couple, I mean, John and I co-founded the company, um, you know, we work together at LucasArts, but it, it still, it, it's your learning and you're putting everything together for the first time. Um, and then Mark uh, Holmes, who created a lot of the amazing uh, and really set the visual tone for the game. You know, Mark and I had never worked together before. You know, he he came from Pixar, so I was like as big a fanboy as anyone about the <laughs> fact that I was getting to work with someone who'd worked on The Incredibles. Heck yeah. Um but, you know, we had to sort of have this whole process of figuring out our creative voice together and how to combine him with me. And I think where we sort of aligned was definitely in terms of the humor and the tone. And, and that's where we sort of really found our voice. Like, that, that, the, the, if people like the humor in the game, um, that humor was not there at all in the early days. Like, we had a very dry... Uh, game and even as the visuals were starting to look beautiful, um, you know the the little humorous touches really came much later uh, as we sort of found that voice. And nice. So, um, I love you know, the announcements, by the way. You... <laughs> did you guys read? You talking about the? Did you read the little uh, ticker? Um, oh yeah. Day one, day two. Yeah. Yeah. You... Yeah. We had some fun with some of those. Yeah, it's fantastic um, stuff. But... It's just, but you know, I mean, you guys, you guys, you know, you do a podcast, right? And I'm sure you sit around riffing and cracking jokes and stuff. And that, a lot of that just came out of us kind of having fun, just riffing at the office and cracking, coming up with sort of humorous one-liners. And it was just like a, a blast for us to put that stuff in. Um, but I think the thing that was that's really cool now is this is our first game. And I feel like we found a voice, we found a style that kind of works for us. And so we're just really excited about what we can kind of do going forward, where whatever we do next, it's like we already kind of have a sense of what we're about, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
All right. Well, enough of this love fest. We got to get back to these questions. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll skip the second question from DJ because that's roughly what it was. Was uh, with the DLC. Now that question. it's out. No, no, no. Now that the now the Counter Spy is out and was very enjoyable. What's next for your studio? And uh, obviously, you're not going to be specific on anything, but I think you pretty much answered it right there without yeah. even getting the question. Yeah, definitely. From him. So yeah, I mean. I mean, the truth, the truth is, this is not just a PR answer. The truth is we're not, we don't fully know yet what, what's next for us. Um, but, you know, to my previous question, like, I think that whatever we do, we, we kind of feel like we want to work within the sort of style and the tone and the voice uh, of sort of dynamite, which I think we kind of established on the first game. Um, most people are sort of people are either right now taking vacation because uh, finally the game is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and we've got some ideas. You know, the stuff definitely that we're excited about, um, which again, you know, we wouldn't be ready to talk about yet. But um, yeah, so I guess stay tuned. Okay, you can do that next question though, Josh. Okay, um, this one's from Colin Long, and he says, did having the 2.5D perspective switch during some of the shootouts create many additional problems during development? Was it always mm. planned, or did it evolve into the gameplay? Yeah, it, it actually was a challenge, and that was something that we, we um, early on, we sort of had to battle with in terms of, um, you know, if you if you build your game purely in in a side view, you're 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 solving for one type of uh, enemy encounter, right? Like every right. enemy in the game, you're you're always going to face them in in sort of the side view. So you can build a level and lay enemies out and do all that stuff, knowing that. Um, but because we had this sort of interesting cover switch, um, and it wasn't something we forced on the player, right? It wasn't like a oh, hey, here's my side-scrolling section. Now here's my sort of behind-the-gun turret 3D shooting section, right? We yeah, we yeah. kind of gave the player the choice of when to jump into cover. Not It did actually add an extra layer of complexity to laying out the levels because we, we needed to make sure that uh, you could still, if the player opted not to go into cover, they could still um, sort of engage enemies and play the game um, but the advantages of going into cover from a gameplay point of view as a designer was that we could take more, make more use of the 3D space and the depth. Yeah. So um, I think some of the earlier, it, it was, I guess it was basically a process of iteration where uh, you you build out a space, you'd learn what works, what doesn't work, um, and sort of trying to hit on the right formula for kind of how to design a space so that it, it it could work in both. Like, and there's little tricks. Like, um, you'll see where there's, there'll be things like elevation changes in depth, so that if if enemies are, are viewed from the side, they're they're not all just stacked up against each other. Or making sure that enemy cover is not placed in one long row, so that from the side, there it's all a column. Like, there's there's just kind of things that you that we had to figure out basically by um, trial and error. Throughout, throughout production. Hmm. Okay. That so, sounds like it was a nightmare. 
<laughs> well, especially uh, when you're when you're developing three D spaces that you don't get to go into. For you here. What was that? I'm sorry. I don't know. I, uh, I hope I'm not getting too in, into the weeds with these answers. No, no, no not at no. all. It's it's excellent. It's it's this is the type of stuff I love to hear about. Um, mm. But thinking about actually doing that work is just <laughs> that must have been <laughs> that must have been a real pain to to because there, I could, there were definitely moments. So like I so I being being one of the level designers, like one of the guys that was had to go in and sort of construct a lot of these rooms. I, I definitely had moments where I uh, I would talk to the lead designer Ed and be like, I really there was a side of me that was just like, I wish we hadn't done this. But it was one of these <laughs> things where it was so cool and whenever people would first like we'd have people come in and play the game and they would sit down and the first time they saw that they were like, Whoa you know, so um you know, it, it it created challenges for us, but we knew it was something that was worth pursuing and sticking with. Nice. So I have my own question really quick and then we'll get back to these. Uh the iOS sure. version, is there under, ever a plan to bring that to Android as well? There absolutely is. Yay. Yeah. There's and <laughs> speaking of which, yeah, we hadn't we 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 hadn't really mentioned it too much up to this point, but yeah, we've actually got versions of the game coming on, on iOS and Android. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure we have the specific date yet, but I know it's soon. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was just so curious because I remember... Gonna be, and if you link, um, I think if you, if you link your, uh, your iOS and Android or Android version, if you link those to the... Um, to your PlayStation file, um, you can access all the unlocks that you've unlocked on your PlayStation. So there'll be weapons and formulas um, that you'll be able to access on your mobile version. Um, that's so that's awesome. a pretty cool yeah. feature. That is cool. That's uh, I was going to bring up that question actually soon as, as we got deeper into it. it was, Sorry, Josh. Where is the iOS version? <laughs> because I was looking for it while we were talking earlier, and yeah. it's not out there yet, or at least it's not that not, I can find. No. <laughs> okay, it's going to be soon. Um, there was a point in development where we realized that we have more platforms than engineers. Uh, in terms <laughs> of like, you know, think think about every uh, device that the game comes out on. Um, you know, the team has to you know, create a separate version for every platform where there's a lot of stuff that's obviously shared, but when it comes down to right to the end, you need to be making sure that every single platform uh, works and you've addressed all the issues for that platform, et cetera, et cetera. And so the more platforms you're trying to sort of release for, the more spread thin you are. And I think that basically what we felt was we, we wanted to make sure that we gave the PlayStation platform you know, uh, enough of a focus uh, to really give it a strong push out the door rather than try and spread ourselves too thin by trying to kind of get, get all the platforms at the same time. Um, and that allowed us to, you know, do that and then also kind of make sure that we gave, gave enough love to the mobile versions. Nice. Um, so... One of the, like one of the nice things about the mobile versions, it's going to be interesting to see how people take to it. Is the the control system? 
So I think we have sort of an interesting control for touch devices. Um, there's no virtual sticks, um, and it's all sort of gesture-based. So you can swipe to walk, swipe to run. Uh, if you press down, he'll kind of aim, and then you can roll around and, and, and shoot. Um, it's not – I haven't seen – this exact control system in other games. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what people think of it. But uh, mm. I feel like it's kind of cool. It is actually, I, I, I forget whether it was your phone or somebody else's, but I got to play with it after we did the interview at E3 and mm. I've been on the podcast. I'm very vocal about <laughs> hating me too. phone based games because the control systems are always terrible. They're always either just mm. tilted or they're always just dumbed down to the point where it's just why bother or, you know, when I've got a Vita or they just don't work. You know, they and that I tried to explain it when we did the podcast one of those nights at E3. I was trying to explain how those touch controls were working and that I was very impressed by it and that it was something that I would actually play. Um mm. For somebody who hates <laughs> touch games on the on the phone and the way the control systems always work, I think you guys actually found a good way to do it that works with this game. Uh, mm. At least the brief time I got to play with it, so that's why I was looking for it earlier. I, you know, when we started the interview, I was like, "Oh yeah, the iPhone game," and I went looking for it, and I couldn't find it. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd mentioned in the review that it was coming, but I, I couldn't find it, so I, I couldn't really speak to it too much. Yeah, um, the, the PR person who would be poking me on the stick right now would probably have a better <laughs> answer for <laughs> for when. Um, well, we can get that from him mean, afterwards. It should be, yeah, it should be soon. It won't be too long to wait. Nice. Okay, Josh. Last one there? Uh, yeah. Again, from Colin, his last question there was, what is, what was the inspiration for the art style? Uh, for the art style, um, so, um, Mark Holmes, you know, he, he worked at Pixar for 16 years. Wow. So, you know, he worked on movies like The Incredibles, um, and I think, you know, you can obviously, like, we've had a lot of people kind of look at the game and, and without even knowing that, say, the, they think of The Incredibles, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, like, Mark, the way Mark would answer this and has answered this is, um, I think, what the, the truth is a lot, a lot of the things that inspired the art style in Counter-Spy were a lot of the same types of references that inspired the art style of The Incredibles, right? Because if you think of The Incredibles, it was very much sort of um, pulled from that same era, the sort of 50s, 60s era superhero. Um, And if you go back and look at that that time in in sort of popular culture, you've got like whether there's a sort of very specific graphic design or architecture or designs of the automobiles that were in use at that time. Um, And everything was sort of, there was this modernist style and it was very much kind of, um, everyone's emerging from the cold, uh, not the cold war, sorry, the, the sort of second world war. And there's this spirit of optimism about the future that was sort of very pervasive in the fifties and was sort of very evident in, uh, in all aspects of the culture. Um, and so that was definitely a, a, a touchstone. Um, and then also just, 
being huge fans of the espionage genre, which was, I mean, actually, a, it was a really big genre in the sort of 50s and 60s. It was yeah. way more than just Bond. Um, I mean, obviously, you had TV shows like Man From U.N.C.L.E., um, Get Smart. I'd also, I'd say Mission Impossible was another yeah. one that counts as kind of a uh, espionage theme. Um, there's also uh, books, you know, there were a whole series of books um, that were very much sort of exploring that world as well. So there was a much broader um, palette that we kind of went to than, than sort of like the, the obvious, which would be like Bond. Um, yeah. Oh, and um, I guess, uh, you know, we have a uh, our Tumblr. Um, we should put some more of the uh, in- inspiration and things like that up on the Tumblr <laughs> at Dynamite. In due course, you've just given me a good thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, that reminded me. The best, well, among the best business cards in the business. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say the best, but at at one of the at the Sony mixer, like the the next night or or two nights later, I got a business card from a girl at Medium Molecule, and it's tearaway, and you can actually pop your finger up through it and pop iota up and everything and it looks it, it rivals your cards but but your cards are are really really awesome because they're in that same design style which is yeah cool. you kind of i mean i guess we kind of wanted them i guess just being i guess an expression of our our creative creativity everyone's got their own agent name which yeah. um on the back of the cards as well uh, yeah, and that, and that kind of goes yeah, in line with the profile names that you guys set up automatically. So you always get kind of an agent name on your profile, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's also like in terms of the inspiration. You just it also just reminded me like another big thing for Mark and I was really we kind of started from a place of imagining if Counter Spy was a sort of lost, old lost, undiscovered. Um, series from that era oh, you know nice. so um and I, and that that was also something that influenced a lot of the decisions we made even things like the sort of crt effect around the edges right, which right. um you know kids if you're listening there was once this technology called crt <laughs> and televisions were kind of big and round not Bulky. flat like today and yeah <laughs> well, round um, is coming back at least with the curve uh, those are terrible <laughs> Gosh. Um, yeah, and we've got like, um, we, he designed a whole series of book covers. Um, we did some, uh, he did some movie posters that were super awesome. Um, yeah, I guess I'm saying all this now. We're probably going to need to hook up the PS Nation podcast with a few of these, aren't we? Ooh. I've kind of yeah. put myself into that. Um, so you yeah, you have I, to sell those posters, man. I would, I would kill for one of those posters to hang here in the basement Heck yeah <laughs> we can get you some posters oh. for sure um and we'll get you some some to to hand out to share with the audience as well nice for extra um, life yeah for extra life. that all right that would work great that. yeah and we've got um and then we 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 actually just got a um a limited edition we did a little run of of vinyl where we got the music Oh. Soundtrack, and we pressed it, 
um, and it's designed to look like one of those old, you know, jazz albums from the oh, air. That's, oh, that's awesome. And just find a note from the back and everything. Yeah, it's really fun. Oh, oh, listen to us old guys drooling. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool that's great oh. well sir uh we've taken up so much of your time and i i you know we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us um i don't know if you realize we've been talking for like an hour so and it doesn't even feel like it it feels like oh, about wow. 15 minutes yeah so uh we obviously don't want to take up all your time I, we know you're busy and well i mean heck you got to go start your vacation sometime don't you at some point, yeah. <laughs> Although you're the boss, um, you probably have to be there all the time, don't you? I'm just looking on. So I just looked at Twitter right now, and there's actually no uh, nobody I need to respond to. Nice. Right. All right. Even so better. I, I, yeah. So I can take a little break right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I, I, I think. We definitely, people definitely need a break to sort of recharge, but it's also like one of the most exciting thing times right now is just having having the game out, um, being able to talk to people about it, um, kind of peel back a little bit more of the story behind how we created it, and just seeing people enjoying the game. It's just the best. It's really, it really is the best feeling. I mean, like I think the thing to remember as well is if you're a gamer. Um, Everybody who is involved in making video games, like everybody started out as a kid growing up playing video games, loving video games. Right? Yeah. Like that's, that's who we are. Like we are people who came up create, playing video games, loving them and dreaming of one day being able to make video games. And so I think that's sort of being able to do that, to, to be able to create and release a game is a huge honor and a privilege and something that just is, is really awesome. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm really, really appreciative of all the people playing our games and maybe it'll inspire, maybe it'll inspire other awesome people to go um, make games of themselves as well. There you go. That's one, that's one of the other great things about the industry today is really so, so accessible to people. People can go and make games. Yeah, or it's play uh, them or make them. It, yeah. It's it's just blown up lately, and uh, that's yeah. one thing, thing about how you know Sony has really embraced that, and that's what's been so great is that you know you see as a PC gamer, we were always into a lot of that stuff. You know, you could download shareware fi- or shareware games and then buy the rest if you liked it, and that was kind of that indie scene back in the day. And and now this scene has gotten so big because a lot of the tools have either are totally open source or, you know, they're free or they're cheap or you can do like the Unreal thing and pay 20 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just crazy what we're seeing hit now. And, and uh, it, it's just going to get better and better, I think. Yeah. So. Games for everyone. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and also I want to let you know, like we elicited questions tonight and pretty much every email we got, and I'm not kidding, said best game on the PSN, best game on the PSN. So you, wow. you've really grabbed a lot of people with this one. Wow. I, yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's, that's a real, yeah, there's some great games on, on PSN. I agree. So we're just, we're just glad to, that uh, we can be one of them and, and hope that anybody who's not checked out the game yet will hopefully just give you the push to check it out. All right. Josh, you got anything else? Uh, I've got nothing but love for this game. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Well, David, uh, well, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you so much yeah, for, for joining us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and letting me talk uh, about the game and, uh, yeah, talk to some of the PlayStation Nation uh, listeners. Nice. And you are welcome back anytime. Anything you ever want to talk about, just uh, shoot us an email or whatever, and we'll get you back on. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, thanks very lot, much. Guys. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, our thanks so much to David for taking so much time to talk to us. Uh, like we said, I think time got away from us and nobody really realized how much we were talking, uh, but it was totally worth it. Yeah. Totally worth I, it. You know, I was thinking, and I didn't bring it up. Uh, Stop that there. thinking. But um, yeah, we talked about the benefits of having it on all three platforms. Yeah. Uh, and having just any games that come out now on the three PlayStation platforms and being able to pass them back and forth. But when you think about it, consider somebody bringing a game just to the PS4 Yeah, as a PSN download. It's, I, I would say it's almost essential to put that extra time into it and that extra development work because, granted, you've got 10 million PS4s out there, 10 million, 10 million plus at yeah. this point, PS4s yeah. out there. But there's still like 85 million PS3s. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and that's the thing about it when you think, when you think about, about the it. market yeah. that you have over there. And you've got however many Vita, 150,000 Vitas that are out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, since no, there's only 10 and numbers. I own three of them. <laughs> um, but whatever, however many Vitas, I, at, you're not splitting the market at that point because right. there are yeah, there's a lot of overlap, sure, but there are obviously a ton of people that maybe have just one of them, maybe have two of them. Getting it to everybody is huge, and it's all within the PlayStation ecosystem. And yeah. you've got, you know. It, Cross save, dude. Cross save. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if the game works on the other platforms, I mean, that's the whole thing about it. Is you know, a lot of the quote unquote indie titles will work on all three platforms because they they you know they do that whole eight bit or sixteen bit or twelve bit look. Um, I think there's some games out there that probably won't work on the PS3 or the Vita, or they'll have to scale them down. But there are a lot of them that do work, and usually when that happens, it's because the engine is made to work on multiple platforms. So like unity, like unreal Four, um, another one called game dev. So when the tools are available to allow you to do that sort of thing, it, it, like you said, it, it makes sense to take that extra time and get it working on multiple platforms. Cause I keep saying that, like people will tweet us like, why are they releasing it on PS3 too? I'm like, dude, there's like 75 plus million PS3s out there still. Why would you limit yourself from that, that amount of sales, uh, potential? Yeah. That's just insanity. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I I don't think there's I don't think there's any purely downloadable title that couldn't be that couldn't work on the Vita. Resogun. They could never do that on the Vita. Because they said they actually maxed out the GPU, just the the raw GPU. They maxed it out with Resogun and then they scaled the Resogun back a little bit because of the voxels they're using. But voxels are historically like really high computations and everything. So if they did it on there, it would almost be like doing Super Stardust on the PSP, where it was still kind of the same game and everything, but it didn't have nearly the effects or all that stuff. Well, I'm not expecting all the effects, like the crazy, crazy effects. That's one thing that makes Resogun so great. It... 
I'd I get what you're thrilled. saying. No, I get, I'd be I get thrilled what you're with a. I mean, there's there's a way. There's a way to make all these games, and I mean we've seen it. Like when you can take something like Sly Cooper, yeah, that's a full size game on the PS3, and drop it down to the PS Vita, and not really lose anything. Uh, well, nothing perceptively. That, that that's the great thing about the Vita and having that awesome screen is that when they scale the games down, uh, because they do have less effects and everything on the Vita, but it's on a smaller yeah. screen, so you don't notice it as much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. But going from, I think we're going to see that point in about a year where we might have some downloadable titles for PS4 that aren't going to translate to the other systems. Uh, I know, but I, I mean, you still get remote that. play if you want to play it on the Vita. <laughs> yeah, when I'm in a tunnel on a train. Well, <laughs> I know this is all about you. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm the only one that takes a train. Jo- that goes Josh, the litmus test. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm the only person in the world. Well, <laughs> considering the quoted, unquoted sales of the Vita, uh, I must be the only person on a train underground <sighs> that owns a Vita. Yeah, well. I don't know about that. I know our, I know a lot of people in our community have a Vita. Well, it's either that or, you know, I've only got a choice of like two or three games for it. Well, of course. That's why we all have to get 64 gig cards now and one, hopefully a 128 at some point. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny when I did the review for uh, Counterspy because for the first two hours I played the game, I played it on the Vita. Because I had something going on, I, I don't remember what it was, but I was just playing on the Vita, playing it, and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I could p- at least download it to the PS4. <laughs> so I went on, on my PS3 and my PS4 and downloaded it on those two while I was playing on the Vita, and that's when I found out about the save game thing. All of a sudden I got into the PS4, I'm like, whoa, dude, all my progression's here. Yeah. Yeah, that was so cool. It is, because I, I didn't even think, well, I kind of thought about it, and I thought, well, I forgot to do anything with the save file. Oh, well, I'll just start a new one on the Vita, and... It was just there. Yeah. It was I mean, like magic. And, and <laughs> so the, cool. And for those people out there, the one thing you have to remember on the Vita, obviously, is you have to have connectivity of some type. Well, yes. To work. So, yeah. We have to say it. <laughs> well, <laughs> or you else we'll get an email. Fuck you. I was playing on Vita all in the car for five hours and I didn't get my save file. Maybe that's what that guy on NeoGAF had a problem with that the PSM was down when he was trying to do it. Oh, and that's it wasn't a good possibility. Working. Yeah. Although. See, I'm wondering if this game is using, I would assume it's using PSN servers, but with the whole fact that you can use an iOS or an Android version of the game as well, either Sony had to do something special so that the save files worked, but if, if you're well, on the game and, and it, on any of the platforms, if you go into the options uh, for the save file, you'll see that it gave you an agent name, and then it, it has like a little code. So when you get the mobile version of it, either iOS or Android, that's what you'll actually have to put into that version of the game so you can sync up. So that's how you know that your online profile is actually active and everything. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I need to look up my agent name. Yeah, I would, but my Vita battery's dead. I killed it today. Hang on, mine's not. Yeah, I was playing it too much this morning and I killed it. Oh, counter spy. Let's see. Options or profile? No, profile. I think it's profile. Oh, yeah. wait. Options has online account. Oh, there you okay. go. That's what you have to go to. Uh, call sign. <laughs> Secret mass 599. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I wasn't such a lazy bastard, I'd put my Vita on the charger, but it kind of slipped behind the couch, so I have to climb over and get it. So I'll do it at break. 
Yeah, it shows my Vita is active system, and it shows a little picture of the Vita saying it's active. Nice. And then it says mobile unlinked. Right, because that hasn't come out yet. But it shows it as both like phone and tablet picture, which I didn't think it was on the tablet. Yeah, I think it's coming out for iPad and for phone. Nice. That's going to look so freaking good. I agree. Hmm. That's what I was... I mean, we talked about that, but I still want to see it on my Nexus 7 because my Nexus 7's got such great... Such a nice screen on it. I'd like to try it, you know, just check it out. I mean, you get to... Like like you said, you get to play it at E3 and you came over and you're like, dude, I just played it on the iPhone. It's really good. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I was shocked. (laughs) Yeah. I really was. was. That was really cool. Um, Yeah, because he pulled it out, and he's like, here, we have it. I'm like, uh... He gave the same look you you gave me when I said, you got to play this game. Yeah, and then he he started to play it, and I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like, well, okay, that... Oh, all right. And then he handed me the phone, (laughs) and I was like, wow, this is really not that hard, and I'm getting it, and okay... Yeah, I I picked it up pretty quick. I mean, nice. I, obviously, I was still having some problems with, you know, he's he's trying to explain it to me, and I'm trying to figure it out and do the swiping and everything, and and you you get this. Were you playing that kid? Where you're like, I know, leave me alone. No, no. What happens is you're so if you played any games on a touchscreen, like any phone based games or tablet based games, you have in your mind the way the controls are because all the controls tend to be the same. Right. So I'm trying to, you know, hit on something very specifically to shoot a guy. And I'm, I'm, my problem is my finger is over the guy and I can't quite line it up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Come back here. Come back. Just back here and move it. I was like, Oh yeah. Cause I kept doing it. You know, you're, you're, just trapped in this i i know how i expect it to work and i expect it to be broken <laughs> and <laughs> and it actually if you if you figure out their control system and you use their control system properly it works and it works really well nice so yeah that's cool to hear i like it yeah yeah all right well enough counters by love uh yeah. so as everybody knows uh on sunday it was hacked. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the PSN was attacked by a group of cowards, and we're not going to say their to, name. What's I that? just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, what's, with what's called a denial of service. Actually, a distributed a dis, distributed denial of service attack. It's not a, an effing hack. They have not been hacked in any way. Uh, so what happened was PSM went down, basically, uh, people couldn't log in. They couldn't get to the, well, you could get to the store, but you couldn't log into the store. Uh, cause a lot of people were freaking out that they wanted to get something from that awesome flash sale that went on this weekend. So we just need, well, number one, PSN's back up. Uh, the maintenance that was actually scheduled for today that was supposed to be six hours. Uh, Sony pushed it off, obviously, uh, which I kind of wish they would have just done it anyway. But I'm wondering if they're going to redo what they were going to do for the maintenance to maybe strengthen things up against a DOS attack, which you can't really do too much of. So anyway, uh, no. I want to explain this a little bit. So IT Glenn's going to have to come back out. And I'm going to try to explain this as if I was explaining this to my parents. Uh, so I don't want to I, I don't want to like act like I'm trying to talk down to anybody. I'm not. But this is something that I know about, and, and this is something I've dealt with before. So... Well, well, go but ahead. in a way, uh, 
I'm just based on Twitter and the internet and everything I saw and, and over the, the weekend. And the 18 Facebook posts that we had? You do kind of have to dumb it down I know. because there are a lot of people out there, people out there that understand it completely and it's yeah. no big deal, but there are a lot of people who are just unaware of how this thing works, what it is, all of that. And and you do kind of need to just explain it on a level that everybody will fully understand. Yeah. So, okay. So here's what happened. And actually, I hate to use this analogy a little bit or, or this example, but one of the examples you can use is if you watch this shitty ass movie called Hackers with Angelina Jolie <laughs> and Johnny Lee Miller, where all these people around the world send all, well, they were doing it with viruses back then. But uh, so basically, a DDoS attack is. At its at its most base is that uh, visualize a castle. Okay, so there's a castle with a wall around it. All right, just one building and a and a big wall around it. And there's a door, a drawbridge at the front, a big door. But let's say it's a little door for the for this example. So that wall you can consider a, a network's firewall. The building you can consider the servers. Okay. So the servers are all behind these firewalls and these routers and all this other network equipment, depending on uh, how they have things set up. That little door is the internet connection. Okay. So that's their, and, and again, I'm dumbing this down because I'm going to say that's their one connection out to the internet. Most of these places have multiple connections. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that door, just like your house or your apartment has an address. And in a network case, that's your IP address. And sometimes you have a pool of IP addresses. So you have multiple addresses for uh, the different things you have on your network. So if you have a bunch of web servers, all kinds of things, you can have a really big pool of addresses. Okay. So, like, again, for this example, just think of an address on top of that door. So what happens is you can get you know one or two people or ten people or whatever through that big door in the in the front of the or in, in the wall to get people through to the uh, servers in the in the middle of the building so what these DDoS attacks do is there's all these people all over the internet and you can even set up bots to do this as well so you can actually set up bots that are uh, they get their anonymity through what's called proxies and all these other different uh, tricks that they can use so they, they can't be traced. All these bots and all these people <clears throat> use a program to send a bunch of junk data toward that door, okay? So in this case, let's say that they're throwing a bunch of ducks at this door. Now, the ducks can get through very easily when it's only a few of them, but if they, if they like, take a dump truck, 10 dump trucks, and they dump all these ducks and try to get them all through that door at once, the door gets clogged. Nothing can come in or go out of that door because all these ducks are, are stuck in this door. And that's what this is. All that data is all those ducks. So that data is hitting the, that connection, and you only have, you have a limit on what your Internet connection is. So, like, you, you know, you always talk about your, your cable connection. I've got 50 down and I've got three up or whatever. But at the end of the day, you still have a limit. So what they do is they send all this junk data at that port or at that door and it gets clogged up and nothing can get in, nothing can get out. And that's exactly what was happening. Nothing got into the network, but they were, they were clogging up that door so even the real data couldn't get in and nothing could get out. 
And that's what, like I said, it's a, as if I'm explaining this to my parents who are in their 70s and 80s, uh, and that's how I had to explain it to a couple of parents <laughs> like a year ago, a DDoS attack. So, But that's basically what it is. Nothing got hacked. No data was uh, even gotten near to. The problem is this group of cowardly idiots said that they did this because the COO of Sony Online Entertainment wouldn't do the ALS bucket challenge. That's why they said they did it. I, but the other thing was they said that it was because they were charging for the PSN now and that Sony wasn't using money using the money to beef up the network, which how the fuck would they know that? I think this is all I, – I think all this stuff it's is just – well, no, I think of that excuse, that excuse there. I heard a different excuse entirely. Oh, which one did you hear? The one I heard was that Sony Japan, of course, when somebody looked into it, they said, okay, all that stuff came out of uh, the official Iranian Ugh. news, whatever. Yeah. And that was the source on it. It was because Israel used... Sony cameras on the missiles they fired into Gaza. So according to the people that did this, it's because Sony was supplying these and everybody, everybody who was responding to this was saying, so they could have walked into the store and bought Canon cameras and stuck them on the things. And it would have been the same thing. So you're going to go after Canon then, you know, but that's the one I heard. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think, any of it's for real. I think they just did it for the for the fucking hell of yeah, it. Yeah, I think they were like, let's just do it. Because I mean, that's the crazy thing. Anybody who can gather – and if you really get into the black market and the dark side of the internet, you can yeah. just buy huge botnets. Yeah, yeah. and Or rent huge botnets and do an attack like this. It's not a hard thing to do. Right. And – Anybody can pretty much do it with just a little bit of work. It's it's really not that difficult. So, well, and the yeah. and the other thing is, it wasn't just the PSN that was a, that was attacked. Blizzard was also attacked. Yep. And also Xbox Live was attacked, and Xbox yep. Live was down most of the day yesterday. So the funny thing is, is these morons probably would have gotten a slap on the wrist if they got caught. Okay, but then they decided to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. And they called in a bomb threat on the airplane that the COO for Sony Online Entertainment was on that was on his way to, I believe, San Diego. Had, and they diverted the plane to Phoenix just in case. Well, guess what? When you do something like that, there was this little thing called 9-11 that happened. And this department called the Department of Homeland Security was, was created. Uh, and, and everybody knows about them because they use some pretty harsh tactics. When you call a bomb threat in on an airliner, you're on everyone's radar now. So now if these people get caught, and I'm pretty sure they're going to get caught at some point because the government, they don't screw around with this kind of thing. They're going to get caught. They're going to get caught. And guess what? Now you've done all these federal offenses that aren't just computer crimes. Now you've you've done everything that the the Department of Homeland Security doesn't like you doing. And you're probably going to be sitting in Gitmo for a while because you're an idiot. Hmm. And that's the case. So, but people need to stop freaking out. People need to stop asking for a free game because this wasn't anything that's... The thing is, oh, somebody said that to me on, on, on Twitter yesterday. I just about exploded. Oh, my god! I actually said, oh, come on. 
the thing is, DOS attacks are actually very tough to um, protect yourself against. Yeah. Uh, because you have to work in conjunction with your ISP because your ISP is actually kind of the weak point. And a lot of larger ISPs still don't really have a way to block all this stuff. You have to basically go through and find all of the, um, all of the uh, sources and try to start blocking those sources. But the problem is you're getting clogged so much that you can't even get on your network tools to, to look this stuff up because your connections are you know just eaten up. So, but you have to work with your ISP on this because you don't – it's just like at home. You don't control your cable connection. Your ISP does. Charter, Time Warner, uh, Verizon, everybody. They're the ones that, that handle your your internet connections. So to say, oh, Sony owes us a free game. Shut the fuck up, number one. You're an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, but – and I hate to say that, but you are. You, you need to be informed before you start spouting shit like that on Twitter and everywhere else because it's just – it's ill-informed. It makes you look uneducated and quite frankly, it just makes me sick. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it, it it really bothers me because I kept telling people it's not a hack, it's not a hack, it's not a hack. If there's one thing I know, it's this kind of thing. This is the, the field I've been in for 18 years, so I deal with this stuff. Um, I guess idiot was harsh. I'm sorry, but anyway. <laughs> but we – there's a couple – I think there's a couple of high school kids <laughs> on our Facebook right now, and they're just enraging everybody. Anyway, um, so – and I even said, like, this this is it's this kind of day that makes me want to close the Facebook group. <laughs> because there were there were so many new posts on Facebook about it. And I'm like, this is why I want to get the forums up and running because it, I mean there's just it was just all about this. And I even asked people not to really talk about it because I don't want to give these idiots any more attention than even well, just talking about it. And that's why I don't want to mention part their of name. The problem. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. It would be cool if like the entire media all over the world could get together and and do sort of a thing where everybody says okay we will report that there is a ddos attack going on but we will never none of us any of us yeah say who did it you know if if the uh fbi comes knocking and they want to know who did it we'll tell them yeah you know that we heard it was these people but you should never report the people's names or the 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 group's name because that's what they want. Yeah. They want to become famous, yeah. internet famous. Like, yeah. look what we did. We took it down. Not anonymous. It was us. Because that was one of the other things I saw that hit somewhere that said, well, X group might not have been the one that did it. It might have been Y group. And I'm like, who gives a shit who did it? The NSA... And Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, they're all going to go after these people. They need to know who they are and mm -hmm. they need to care who they are. I don't need to know who they are. No. I don't give a shit who they are. And nobody else should because that's all they want. They want the fame. They want their name up there and they want us well, with that, you know. And anyway. the funny thing is they're probably overseas. They're not even in the U.S. and they think they're safe. But once that bomb threat thing happened, <laughs> unless they're in the Ukraine, they're boned. They, seriously, well, and even, even in the if U they're well, in the Ukraine, <laughs> no, because I, mean, I mean there was that huge, there was a uh, I'd say about three four years ago there was actually a really big group of uh, hackers in the Ukraine and they were doing all sorts of nasty stuff and we couldn't get to them 
the government couldn't get to him because the Ukrainian government themselves were actually protecting these people. Well, the because... Ukrainian government has having have a little bit more to worry about <laughs> right now than some hackers. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, I mean, that's actually uh, how the Ukraine makes some of their money. So they don't say it's officially, like, backed by the Ukrainian government, but it is. Uh, but, I mean, seriously, once that bomb threat thing happened, <laughs> they became major players, and uh, they're on yeah. everyone's radar now. So it's going to be interesting to find out how soon they get they get caught, and they will get caught. So, yeah. But F these cowards, seriously. And then somebody on Twitter was trying to, like, um, start some shit, because I called him cowards, and, he's, and he tweeted at them. He's like, oh, he's calling you coward, or he's calling you something else. I'm like, no, I didn't call him that. I called him cowards. And then I blocked the dude. So anyway. Uh, yeah. But everything's up, back up and running. Uh, the, like I said, the maintenance that was supposed to happen on Monday today, uh, they actually pushed off. It was supposed to be like a six-hour maintenance, too. It was one of the bigger ones. Uh, I think getting ready for the new firmware and everything. But uh, they have not announced when the maintenance is going to take place. Um, I mean, I, I get why they moved it. I kind of wish they wouldn't have and just gotten it over with. But... People couldn't be on for two days. That probably would have freaked them all out. Mm. And they'd really be demanding games. Yeah. I want a free game. <laughs> Seriously. God. Uh, and actually on Twitter, what I said is, how about Sony doesn't own you a game? When they catch these cowards, those people should have to buy everybody a game. <laughs> how about that? Just saying. They have to buy, wait, 90... 90 million and 100 games <laughs> to cover the PS3, PS4, and Vita. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I, it happens. And like I said, it didn't just happen to the PSN. And that was one thing that was kind of getting on my nerves is a lot of people were posting about it racking like it was only the PSN and it wasn't. It was other places and everybody's saying, oh, their security needs to get beefed up. It has nothing to do with security at all. Zero yeah. percent security. Uh, besides the fact that it ha- they have firewalls and everything else, I mean that's it's a different type of security. But when you're talking about um, because again, I think they had this whole notion in their heads about things being hacked, and it wasn't hacked. There is no security that you can put up for DDoS attack. No, not really. And like I said, it's really something that you have to work with your ISP on. Because I've been involved with a DDoS attack. A couple of times. That's actually what happened last year. If everybody remembers with Extra Life last year, people couldn't yeah. get on the Extra Life website for like three or four hours uh, because apparently some YouTuber that was one of the the higher uh, money makers for for Extra Life last year had some beef with somebody, and the, these people that had a beef with the go- dude on YouTube DOS the uh, Extra Life websites. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, if anybody remembers that, that was the same thing. It was a DOS attack on the Extra Life servers. And well, they had was, to work with their ISP to get it fixed. There were like two or three days, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, yeah. where every major, like Time and New York Times and CNN and, you know, all these major networks and newspapers and things like that were all hit yeah. on one day. And, it, I mean, that ended up slowing down half the internet because... They were hitting everything they could yeah. at, you know, over the course of like two, three days there. And it took forever for that to clear up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, sorry for calling you all idiots. That was harsh. <laughs> well, but 
At least <laughs> no, but just don't jump don't jump to all these conclusions right away and start freaking out on the internet. Ask questions. Yeah. What what's or, happening? What's a or, DOS attack? Go to yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah. Go to Wikipedia, go to Google. DOS attack. <laughs> it's very simple. Just type in DDOS and it'll pop right yes. up. Let me Google that for you. Somebody's been posting that on Facebook lately. Let me Google that for you. I was dying when I saw that. <laughs> I love that tool. So anyway, on to even more sad news. Kind of. Yeah. Well, this doesn't surprise me. Well, it's, well. Mm. It never took off in Japan from what I heard. Well, Japan, yeah. And, and that's, all right, let's get into this. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Home is going to close in Japan. Foreclosing on it. Yes. And by the end of March 2015, uh, SCEJ will be closing down PlayStation Home in that region. Yeah. Uh, and any purchases in home are going to, they're going to cut off like any purchasing within home on September 24th, 2014. Why don't they just cut it off today? They made the announcement today. Why don't you just cut it off today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's shitty. Especially for, for people that don't know this is happening. Well, like September maybe, 23rd, they're buying pants for 20 bucks and all of a sudden, whoa. But that's the thing. Maybe there are people right now today that heard that and they're like, oh my gosh, well, I want to buy this crazy thing and just have a party for the next couple of months with all my home friends because there are people like that. But I don't, I think that's why it's closing in Japan because I don't think there's that many people like that in Japan. Well, but there are some. Well, sure. I'm not saying want to do that, you know. So, uh, right now, it only is apparently Japan and like Asia, basically. Asia. Um, nobody has said anything about North America or Europe. Uh, and I, I don't know that it would really close up anytime soon in North America because, from what I understand, they make pretty good money off it. They do in Europe too. Yeah, with people it's, buying, it, it's pants still doing and, well. Yeah, and houses and stuff. And I mean, we see emails and tweets and stuff every day. Like, when's home coming to PS4? And maybe I should get off my my butt and talk to our buddy Jack and find out if like like he'd tell me. <laughs> but it oh. would. Actually, he might tell me, but then I wouldn't be able to tell anybody else. It would be nice <laughs> because I think it would actually work so much better with. Uh, the beefed up. Oh gosh! Can you imagine home on the PS4? It would actually PS4. be functional. Well, you would go in and you would actually have people loading in very quickly instead yeah. of seeing ghost avatars for like five minutes while you're running around. Well, not just that. I mean, all that additional memory and oh. yeah. Oh, that'd be that would be really nice. I'd like to see it. Hang on, I gotta squash a bug. <laughs> totally leaving this in. <laughs> Is it a water bug? We used to have water bugs in, in Kansas when I would live there. No, this is one of those. And I should just leave it, but they freak me out a little <laughs> bit. Um, it's one of those dudes that's got like a million legs. <laughs> and they, well, I saw, there. I had huge ones in my old apartment. Mm. And I they freaked me the fuck out because <laughs> um, they were they were like... An inch, well, no, they were like two to three inches long in my old apartment. And I was up, you know, playing a game on the PS2 at like three in the morning. And yeah. all of a sudden this one came down the wall and I was like, what the yeah. fuck is ah. that? 
<laughs> um, you must have killed look- that cricket too. We haven't heard that cricket in years. Well, that was the thing. I looked them up, and they're they're good to leave around because they actually go after all the all the little bugs and insects all over your house. Yeah. Basically, um, you just don't want to see it. Yeah, it can live in the crevices. It can live that's in the back the of it. Once you see it, no, you don't want it there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like he's, I'm, I'm sitting here, and he's right out of the corner of my eye. Was coming right down the wall, and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I get it. You can't. No, yeah. no not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least he didn't scream like a little girl. Oh no, I've, I've, I've dealt with enough of them that I well, mean, most see, of them. You're a dad now. Leave. You're, you're the man of the house. You have to take care of that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's your yeah. job. One no, job, I usually get my wife to do it. <laughs> well, that's because she's fearless. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else on home that we have to talk about? No. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> I'm wearing the home shirt today. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I was, when I got up this morning, I was like, I need, I just needed to grab a shirt. And I reached in and there's all these shirts on top, all these shirts that I've been wearing so much. Yeah. So I just dug down like a layer or two and I pulled one out and I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't worn that in a while. And I threw oh, there it you off. go. Nice. That's odd. I just realized that <laughs> as we were talking about it. Well, I went down to t-shirt size. Ooh. I can comfortably wear a double X now. Wow. Yeah. So not bad. See, there you go. And I'm not even working out at five in the morning like you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not eating for four anymore. There you go. Yeah. Wow, right. you you mean that actually works? Um, <laughs> yeah, except for tonight, I made chicken Alfredo, uh, fettuccine Alfredo, and I ate the whole damn thing. You mean eating so less actually helps you lose weight? I'm shocked. I know. I didn't believe it myself, <laughs> and I just kind of did it subconsciously. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And all of a sudden, my sh- I had my shorts on the other day, like these new shorts I bought that were smaller. About two months ago, because uh, I went down a pant size, and I didn't have a belt on, and I got up to, off the couch, and they just fell right down. I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> huh. So I might have gone down another pant size. I'm going to get thinner than you, just so I can call you fatty all the time. Uh, Actually, that'll never happen. Even when I was in shape, I was bigger than you. Uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> fatty. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a wide lens for the camera for Extra Life this year, aren't I? Speaking about fatties, somebody's got a fat wallet here. Really? Amazon. Yeah. So came out today, and this was kind of a shock to a lot of people. Uh, Amazon acquired Twitch for $970 million. This is the biggest uh, private acquisition that Amazon has ever made in the last 20 years. Uh so Amazon's buying Twitch. Uh, there was an, a follow-up article, I think, I can't remember where I read it, follow-up article on why Google didn't buy them. So Google, uh, it came out of D3, remember, that it, this big rumor that Google was going to buy Twitch, and everybody's freaking out. And uh, a lot of us were kind of worried because, uh, you know, Google owns YouTube. And there were some some things that YouTube has been doing lately, you know, in terms of the copyright infringement tools that they have. And a lot of people were getting freaked out about that, that things were going to get very... Uh, kind of strict and everything on, on Twitch as well. And, and that scared a lot of people, including myself. Um, but it, what it sounds like is that Google was worried about some antitrust stuff when they went through uh, for certification from the government to make the acquisition. 
And basically what that was was the fact that they actually own YouTube and it would be looked upon as a monopoly because YouTube also does streaming like Twitch does kind of and video archiving and everything else like Twitch. And they were, they, they were afraid that the government would consider them too, uh, too similar and Google basically backed out of the deal. Uh, and then Amazon jumped in and, and bought them. So I think this is pretty good news. Uh, you know, I think the only thing that worries me is that all of a sudden they'll make it so that you can only watch Twitch on, an, uh, on a Kindle. But <laughs> uh, no. I actually talked to somebody at Twitch today, and they basically said, and actually I think their CEO said it as well, everything's staying the same at Twitch. Uh, so they're going to stay in the same offices, the same people. Uh, but what they're gaining out of this is now that Amazon has been getting all these development studios because of the Kindle Fire, uh, uh, what do you call it, the TV box and everything else, is that now they're going to have all this development or all these development resources available to get the applications that Twitch uses done a lot quicker and, and beefed up a lot better. So there's definitely going to be a benefit on their end where you know now they only have like let's just say they have 10 developers for all these applications. Now they have Amazon behind them that's been acquiring all these studios. So it sounds like a cool deal, you know. We'll have to find some way to work that in with our Amazon link. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's a a great thing. Well, it's a great thing until Amazon gets in a fight with one of the developers somewhere and then cuts off all access to that game on Twitch. (sighs) Well, I don't... (laughs) Yeah. Well... The the thing that that excites me a little bit is that the fact that Amazon has this entire infrastructure, what's called Amazon Web Services, uh, which is AWS. Uh, Netflix actually uses all Amazon servers. So Netflix itself is run off these things. And Amazon has this great uh, server infrastructure that's actually bigger than a lot of people would think. Uh, Because that was one of the exciting things about Google is that Google has all these server farms all over the place. Well, Amazon, I think, can actually meet a lot of the expectations that Twitch might have had for Google. Uh, so what this can do is actually just beef up their network enough so that if there's some stupid, uh, like Dota two tournament over the weekend that crushes Twitch, uh, Amazon can give them a lot more resources in terms of server, uh, server density and everything else. So that doesn't happen. So that's what I'm excited about. So our chat channel doesn't go off on the weekend when extra life's happening. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of possibilities. I mean, they, they, you know, Amazon's definitely a good company to have behind you. And they seem pretty excited about it. I don't know. Amazon's been messing around recently with a lot of stuff that's just been bugging me. Like what? Like the uh, publishers in Europe that they've been dicking around with and not stocking their books. Oh, the book with, thing, yeah. With things like um, the second Muppet movie and now Winter Soldier. All the Basically all the Disney, Marvel... Um, Disney movies that the new releases that they're not stocking at all. Um, oh, I didn't know there was something going on about that. <clears throat> yeah. I thought I talked about that last Well, you week. did, but I didn't know it was like a specific Amazon thing. I did. It is. Yeah. Guy uh-huh. looked it up and it's very specifically a fight between Amazon and Disney. Oh, and because Christ. of that, Amazon has decided that they're not going to, well, Oh, I was tweeting it because I found it on, oh, I found okay. it online and then I started tweeting it and I was like, okay, well, Hey, guess what? Now I found out that I can buy it real cheap at Best Buy, at Target, at 
this yeah. other place. And I mean, obviously, we'd like Amazon to do it so people could use our link to buy it. But yeah, I'll go down I to Best Buy, like, put it on my rewards card, and get cash back. That's the thing. I like ordering from Amazon and just having it show up at my door. Yeah. I don't have to go anywhere. But Me too. I that Tuesday, I drove right over to Target. You know, five minutes down the road, and I walked in and I got. That Muppet movie for probably as much as Amazon would have sold it or even less. It was like a ridiculously low price. And I think right now, places like Target and Best Buy, they're counting on that because they're like, sure. well, you're not going to get it there. So if we entice you in with a really ridiculously low price on this in the first couple of days, maybe you'll buy some other stuff. Maybe well, I mean, I'll do that every now and then. More. Yeah, I'll do that every you now know? and then anyway because Twi- like Target or Best Buy or whoever will have a big sale on a movie like – when the first Iron Man came out, you could get that really cool case at Target that looked like the Iron Man mask. And I went there and got it because it was cheaper anyway. So I still keep an eye out for that stuff. I don't just blindly go to Amazon all the time. Yeah. Well, you're just crazy. I don't think that's ever been disputed. Ever. <laughs> crazy like a fox. Hmm. <clears throat> all right. Are we up to what we're playing now? Are we? We are. Uh, yeah. Why don't you start it off? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, I started I last was, week. I was playing Counter Spy. Nice. <laughs> on the PS4 and PS Vita. Nice. Oh, and we didn't talk about this last week. So I played that PT thing. I watched somebody else play it. Uh, I, which I didn't even hear about it because I was out. I was down in Kansas City when it all hit because Gamescom was going on. Yep. So I kept seeing it show up on Twitter. I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And then uh, I got more and more info. So when I got home, I watched a, a long play video of it. So um, tell us about it. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> well, you can't do anything in it. But that was part of the problem. But it's <laughs> it's there to freak you out. Yeah, it didn't. It pissed me off more than it freaked me out. Like, it it freaked me out here and there, but for the most part, the pissing me off was doing more than the freaking me out, so... It was pissing you off, why? Because you couldn't really interact with anything, you just... Or you were getting caught on stuff, or what? It was... All right, you couldn't really interact with anything, and, you know, the first time down the hallway, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, oh, this is creepy, you know, and I'm looking at stuff, and you come around the corner, and I'm like, okay... And then there's nothing to do. You know, you walk down the hall and you come out and then you come down the hall a second time. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I see what's going on here. (laughs) The problem is you have to trigger specific events and you have to trigger them in a specific way. And I was getting so annoyed by that, that, you know, the door is partway open and I'm like, oh, crap. The door is partway open. Uh, You know, and I walk past it real quick. Well, that doesn't trigger it. Yeah. And I walk back and that doesn't trigger it. And I'm like, all right, well, what the hell's going on here? Because you can't leave at the end of the hallway until you trigger this event. Right. So then I'm just walking back and forth trying to figure out how to trigger the event. And I'm like, well, this is just annoying now because nothing is happening. Uh, and then, you know, the audio is, <laughs> look behind yeah. you. So I immediately backed into a corner like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. <laughs> no, nothing can be behind. Nothing can be there. Well, that was the thing. Because nothing could be behind me, because I went into a corner like that, I broke the game. Well, 
and nothing would happen. I think you're expecting a little bit too much from this thing, though, because to me I, it seemed more like almost like a concept <laughs> video. You know what I mean? And I've lost you. Where it's like this is this is what we wanted to be. That's how it felt felt to oh, me. Oh, there you are. I couldn't hear you at all through oh, all that. Sorry about that stupid internet. Um. Well, well I, what, I, what I was saying, it, it just seemed more like a concept than even what the what a game would be like when they make this game. Yeah, but that's not selling me on anything. That's just telling me that this is going to be annoying. <laughs> well, but I don't think that they're trying to sell you the game. I think they're trying to sell I, you on the idea. Yeah, but the idea is that I was annoyed. That's all I came away with is that I'm really annoyed <laughs> with the whole thing. So they okay. so if they were trying to sell me on the idea, they failed because yeah, it freaked me out here and there. Yeah. But it pissed me off way more than it freaked me out. So that's what I came away with. I came away with an overwhelming feeling of that was a waste of my freaking time. <laughs> it's funny, I downloaded it, but I hate survival horror. I just don't like horror games. So it was on my PS4 for like a week and it just sat there I'm like, I'm never gonna play this. So I just deleted it. Yeah, I I don't I know I didn't finish it. Um No, it's funny because there are puzzle elements to it and apparently nobody has like quote unquote solved it yet, but there's yeah. one person on YouTube that said that he solved it. So that just came out like yesterday, I think. Yeah. And well, nobody knows for sure if he did because nobody actually knows what it's supposed to be. And that was the thing. And yeah. when I when I broke it with that turnaround thing, yeah, that's about when I was done. I was like, okay, I'm in the corner, and and it would keep going, and it would turn around or don't turn around or whatever it was. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to do that, but I'm in the corner, so it's never going to work. Well, but if it's a ghost or an apparition, it can go through the wall anyway. Well, no, it's not going to do that. So finally, it would I'm be in like the, the frighteners where it comes through a picture or something. This doesn't work that way. Obviously, it doesn't work that way because nothing was happening because I was in a corner. And I was like, well, I could stand here all night. This is just stupid. But nobody puts Josh in a corner. So I turned around in the corner and nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, so I have to physically walk away from this wall and I have to physically turn in a circle for this whole thing to trigger so that I can move on. And I did. And the thing was, and I was like, wow, that was really scary because I didn't (laughs) know it was coming. Because you told me I had to go out into this area and turn around so that I could see it. Uh, and that's when I got really annoyed with it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm sorry. I just uh, broke the game and I just got annoyed with it. So. That's when I, that's like when I was watching Lady Hawk play. I don't know if it was Outlast or which one of those horror games that came out. But she was streaming it and like this thing would jump out at her. She's like, oh, yeah, there's a scary guy. <laughs> with no conviction, nothing. Just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's still one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. Um. So I also on the PS4. I know there were a couple of games, a couple of small games that I played, and I can't remember what they are. Mm. Uh, I'd have to go look at my PS4 and see, you know, what's up at the front of the list. Yeah. Um. But I. I do remember last night I played a quick game of pure chess oh, yeah. on the PS4 because for whatever reason I was like, I need something that I can play relatively shortly, you know, I don't need something that's going to get me into a big long levels and, and this and that. And I figured I'll play a little chess and I quickly blew through a game and that was that. 
I know chess should take hours. Okay, Bobby. If you're doing sure. it right, no, but it was on like the dumb level, you know. Oh, so. that's probably the, that's probably the level I'd have to play it. it. It's funny, like I was in all these advanced classes in high school and all that. I suck at chess because I don't think enough ahead. I'm actually pretty good at it because that's all I do. I sit. Th- I we played it in college for one for some dumb reason. I pulled it out and. Yeah. We had it set up on the on the table for like a week or two at this house I was living in, and I was playing with this other guy that lived there, and I would take like a half hour forty five minutes to make a move and as he's as he's sitting there thinking of his move. I'm going through every single scenario in my mind. If he does this, then I can do this. And then hopefully he'll do this and I can move this. And I'm thinking like eight moves ahead for everything he could do while he's thinking. And that's what I was doing. Like as I was sitting there. So if I, if I have the patience and I sit down and I take the time, yeah, I could do that. I'll think like five, six, seven, eight moves ahead and how I'm going to. And that's what I was doing to the guy. I was, I am going to force him into checkmate by forcing all these plays and getting my guy over here and doing exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and over the course of like a day or two or six hours or eight hours or whatever it was, I would do that. <laughs> but at <laughs> but some point, like, don't you just defeat fun. yourself by doing that? No, nah, it was great. It was really cool because it's it's like a huge mental exercise. Well, it's sure. mental, all right, but it was a huge mental exercise. Well, no, I, I think there's a lot to be said about about the game of chess to this day. It's just something that I've never been able to be successful at. Yeah, I just I don't, don't have, have the, the patience, patience now. Yeah. Now I don't. But if I can't see, it's it's hard to do it on the computer or on the PS4 or wherever because I can't. I don't have the patience when I'm looking at the screen when it's physically in front of me and I have a physical human opponent. Yeah. It's a whole different story. Mm. Like I did it. There was a guy at work that we were talking about it one day and he's like, Oh, we should play. And then he, he brought up like on his phone or something like that. He's like, here, let's play it. And the game was done in like 10 minutes, you know, (laughs) because I just, for whatever reason, I don't have patience for it when it's on a screen. Yeah. I can't figure out why there's something visceral about, you know, the actual pieces in front of you that changes it. So, Mm. yeah. So there was that. Um, And I played a ton, ton, ton of Madden NFL 15. Yeah. There's a lot to play. There is. And I didn't get to play all of it, Um, but I played enough. I think that I can give it a review. I, well, and, and just so people know, that's partly my fault because I was in Kansas City. When I finally got home, the game was sitting at my door, and I couldn't get it off to Josh until Monday. So he got the game late compared to when other people got it, and that's why we don't have a review up on Thursday when the, when the embargo lifted and everything else. But uh, there's a lot there, and, and it was funny because... I was on, I was online playing with some people the other night, and everybody's like, "Oh, come on, it's just Madden," and they were, they were saying that on Facebook too, like, "Oh, it's just another football game." I'm like, "You know how many modes there are in this game that you got to go through and play?" And I mean, it, there's a lot of content. There is a lot. There's definitely a lot. But you know what? I think it's better that we got it later, um, because over the weekend playing it, I was starting to formulate, you know, where I where I stood on the game, and the yeah. more I played, the more cemented that became and then 
I, I went to, you know, I, I, I got my score in my head yeah. and actually I've wavered a little bit on the score because, well, we'll get to it when I get to the review. I yeah. wavered a little bit on the score, but I knew it was either going to be this or this. Mm, okay. When I went to Metacritic, I was like, wow, okay. It's not my score. And well, I think a lot of people were wowed this year by just the engine overhaul because it really is a different engine this year. It's it's very, very different. Well, all right. Let's wait until – Yeah, yeah. Because we'll there's so that. much I could say, but sure. I, I don't want to jump and I, I mean, that's right the now. thing. I only played like three or four games too, so I want to get your perspective on it obviously because yeah. you put way more time into it. And and that's that's kind of what I feel. I think a lot of these people only played a handful of games and only played them over well, most likely a period of days. You know, yeah. I played a ton of games back to back all day long, and things became very clear to me that I didn't see in the first couple of games. Right, things started to really become apparent to me. Uh, just from playing it for so long back to back, it's all these things popped up that I was like, wow, hmm. well, I didn't notice that. And I didn't notice that earlier and I didn't yeah. notice that. So I'm probably not going to have this. Well, we'll see what my score is going to be. <laughs> could be great. Yeah. Could be terrible. This could be tearaway. Could be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> The emperor has no clothes. <laughs> oh, thank God we don't do this over video. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I I think that's... I know I played something else on the PS4. I, I don't know what. Okay. Um, and I played NHL again. The demo hit the X-Bone today. No, I'm saying NHL on oh. the Retron. <laughs> ah. I need to actually clean off some of these other cartridges and, and yeah. do something about this. Because I have like, even like the Master System cartridges, I'm dying to put the the, oh, uh, the power base converter on. The power base converter in there and try some of those games. Oh! Oh yeah, I told you. Because I went up to that shop and I got Rock Band for yeah, what, people like have been bucks? joking about that online, by the way. Eh, All I've been hearing about is like, ooh, I paid $5 for Rock Band. I'm like, yeah, it's going to sit in his attic and take up a room. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> what am I doing in my attic? I don't care. Uh, um, But it's there if I need it, and that's the point. Sure. Uh, but he had a bunch of um, the Master System games, you know, so I grabbed those. But <clears throat> I don't know about the other ones. I had, I didn't have a chance to look them up, but I really don't want to spend like 15 bucks on Choplifter. You know? Well, Choplifter is actually a good game. I don't know if it's I worth it because it's a very common game. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite games on the Apple. Yeah, you know? well, God, yeah. I mean, I had that on the Apple II uh, GS and I had, well, on the E and then uh, on the Commodore even. But it's weird with Master System because J- uh, Mark and I both bought Japanese systems. Because the Japanese systems have this Yamaha sound chip in them that they took out of the U.S. version because it was cheaper. But even the U.S. games normally have, like if you put the U.S. game in the Japanese system with a converter, it will actually activate that better sound chip. Mm -hmm. So we picked them up because we actually got them pretty cheap. I'm trying to think if Martin got those for us. I think Martin got them for us. I think he did. I remember that. And then um, Mark... Got these adapters, and you actually install them using like a bad master system cart. So you just kind of cut it out and you put this converter in. And we've got them, and I'm really happy I got it, but I've only played it once because 
I don't know what Master System games to get because I never really had one. Mm, yeah. And the only the only guy in North Fond du Lac that had one, he only had like three games, and one of them was that Missile Command 3D, which is really cool, actually. Their 3D was excellent. I have excellent. that, yeah. Um, and you can get the uh, their unbranded glasses. They're only like 30 bucks, and they work. But um, I just don't know what games to get. So Mark and I keep talking about, like, yeah, we really got to sit down and discuss that and figure out the games to get. And we just haven't gotten to that point to do it yet. But, I mean, I'm glad I got it. And we got them pretty cheap comparatively. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's just a pile of games. And I should just, I should just look at them, say, this is the one I want to play. Clean it and play it. And that's just how I'll do it, you know? Well, it doesn't take that long to clean. I mean, just get no, a magic eraser and get some alcohol, put it on there, boom. Just wipe it down yeah. a few times and you're done. I know. But, you know. See, to me, that's one of those things where uh, you, you hear about, like, gun collectors and they'll sit and clean their gun all day. Or, you know, people that go out and wash their, their nice car all the time. To me, it's almost like not a religious experience, but it's just one of those geek things where... I've got this big stack of cartridges and I just get into this zone where I'm just cleaning Ugh. off all my cartridges and even trying to clean the outside because it's grimy or it had a sticker on it or whatever. And I, I just, just get into that the, zone. I just look at that stack of cartridges and I go, oh, <laughs> and I just want to go do something else. Well, if I didn't have so much to do during extra life, I'd even clean them for you. But there's no way I'll have time. No, you can do that. No, no, there's no way. I'll yeah, have time. You can do that. No. I'll play. Yeah, that's fine. No. You could, yeah, I'll just tell you, all right, clean that stack and I'll play that stack next. And right. We'll just do Retron yeah. 5 all extra life. Yeah, I'm not your monkey. Come on. No. No. Do it. No, I don't think so. Do it. Everybody, come on. Uh, <laughs> You're an idiot. Hashtag. There, I R- even had to call you an idiot now. Hashtag R5 yes. And that'll be for, for Glenn to clean, <laughs> to clean the cartridges during but extra life. I don't. I don't bow to Twitter. You can say that all you want. I'm not going to do it. Then nobody's going to donate. Fine. Then you have to set up all the equipment <laughs> and the mixer and the audio and the that's two fine. systems and get the stream working. And no, 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 no. You do that. See, that's all the prep work. I'm but talking the prep about work, during extra life. I'm not cleaning your cartridges during extra life. Yeah, that's the whole point. No, you, I don't. Do think you put so. a camera on you with yeah. a huge? Just we can't even see you at the start of the 24 hours. Well, that, would, we that see, would elicit more donations if you can't see me. I, I understand that. This is it. This is uh, this is getting better every time. I, all right. Well, at this so, point, why even come to New Jersey? Then I can just sit here with a big statue. No, 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 no. Because you have to hand them off to me when you're done. No. So that I can play them. That's the whole point. No, so I don't think so. I'll, I'll bring. Everything out, all those boxes full of all those cartridges I have, I'll set them all up in a huge castle around you. Okay? We'll put a camera on you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all for like the first six hours, all anybody is going to see is this giant stack of cartridges. Why, and be like, why don't Where's I just, Glenn? Why don't I just fly Jared in for that then? Because <laughs> I don't trust him. How about Andrew Yoon? I'll, I'll fly Andrew Yoon in to do that. I trust him to do it. See? <laughs> uh, so behind the stack of cartridges over the over the and this would be this would be great for the stream for like the replay because then you could speed it up and watch that stack go and just slowly come down. And then you can think all this shit up, but you can't find a place for us to do karaoke around there. No. No, no, that's eh. that's a pain in the ass. Oh, of this, course. <laughs> this 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 would be so much better. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, how much fun with Oh, you could take them to yeah. the karaoke bar yeah. and how you could do them there. How much fun would that be? Oh, yeah, <laughs> just hours and hours of fun. Hey, you said it was a religious experience. I'm no, just I trying to help you out. No, I said it's kind of like that, but at the same time, those are my cartridges I'm cleaning. <laughs> cleaning your cartridges, I don't give a shit. No, yeah. They're your games. No, no, it's almost like it's almost like Christmas. You don't want somebody else opening your gifts. You open your own gifts. No, that's okay. You it's can even like getting gifts. a boxed game at, at, a, at a used <laughs> game store. You have to be the one to open it. Yeah, you can open it. It's fine. No, no, no. That's not the way it goes. <laughs> We're going to have to take away your geek tag pretty soon. Uh, yeah, no. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I did oh, it. I, I cleaned every freaking Atari 5200 cartridge I owned, all the 2600 cartridges. That's a lot of cartridges. Well, that's and your problem. I cleaned a ton of the Genesis ones. Well, everything that I was getting at MGC, I would clean when I got home. And even that was like, oh, I'd have this huge pile of stuff that I got at MGC. <laughs> I didn't want to have to clean it all. But now I don't even, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the podcast so I can figure out which ones I bought and cleaned so I don't have to go clean them again. So I can just, I know that, all right, these are clean. That's why you keep two separate stacks, dude. No, there's no stacks. I have boxes and boxes filling the attic of okay. all these games. So clean them and then like get a Sharpie and you mark the box of the ones that are clean. Well. This isn't rocket science. Yeah, a little late now, isn't it? Well, that's your problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, what rabbit hole have you taken us down? <laughs> The one where you're sitting behind a huge pile of cartridges for all of extra life <laughs> cleaning. Why would why? I just want to see that? That'd be but, so cool. That's just no. <laughs> so you're saying you want me to drive 16 hours to New Jersey? See, and well, you know what? It, what's even better is in my mind, like the the cartridges, the pile of cartridges I see in my mind, yeah. they're all Atari fifty two hundred cartridges. Even though there were only like seventy some games for the system, <laughs> just the well, visual. Well, you get doubles and triples, so. But for the visual, those yeah. cartridges are really good because of the the ridges on them and the size of them and everything. They would be beautiful all but, stacked but up. But then there you've all got the problem you. where you get the ones like the Star Wars one that has those weird angles on. Oh them. yeah, the par- all the Parker Brothers one, the Parker Brothers and the CBS ones. Yep. Oh my gosh, oh those were insane. Oh, and even Activision had like a weird shape to them too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all right, so forget those. You know, we'll stay with the first party, the Atari ones, <laughs> and no. we'll just stack up like no. like. No. No, like because I don't care about 500 of them. Games. I have oh, my own 5200 so cool. I have my own 5200 games. I've got boxes of them. But you don't. You, you actually, if there's only 70 some, I might. No, there's there's one that I am Dude, almost positive you Let me let me just tell you and I've said this story before. But the reason I have all this crap is when I was working at EB, people would just like bring it in. Do you want this? I'm like, "Sure." And they would just give me all this stuff. I I got a Vectrex. From a stoner for fifteen bucks, and it, he gave me like a ton of games with it and everything for fifteen dollars. So you'd be surprised at how much stuff I have. It's I've well, got cases of twenty six hundred games. I've got at least two drawers full of fifty two hundred games. I've got three fifty two hundreds. I've got seven twenty six hundreds, and there was just people giving them to me. I don't I'm, think I'm sure there's have... an ultra rare game I don't have. Yeah. 
I don't care. There's the one uh, Bounty Bob Strikes Back, which I don't think you have. I have no idea. Because that one, that one's near impossible to find. Yeah, I've never cataloged those games. Yeah. Actually, I might have. I might have cataloged the 2600s or something because I want to say it was Trickman Terry was looking for a game once and I was looking through them to see if I had it. Because I've got doubles and triples of a bunch of games on 2600. I've got like three copies of Yars Revenge, that sort of thing. The 5200, I think it had, see, I, no, I don't know exactly because I have 78 listed, but I do have a couple of homebrews. And so, I'm not a homebrew guy usually, so. I think it was 72 total. Um, I, it's all up in Marshfield. I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, but I think it was, um, I, well, the couple of homebrews, I mean, they were worth it. Uh, yeah, actually the homebrew stuff isn't bad because they've had so much time to learn the code and junior Pac-Man. Actually, that one is good. I played that one. Homebrew on the 5200. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just have a handful. I mean, there are a lot of other homebrews that I would like, but I mean, they sell for like 50 bucks or more. Well, they got to manufacture them themselves and, and it, shit ain't cheap. But still. Yeah. You would think they would come down in price eventually, but no. Well, but when they're only selling like 100 copies, they got to get all the har- the hardware, the cartridges. The, no, the, you can the buy. Services. Well, that's the thing. From Atari age, they yeah. sell like the blank carts. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you can then just burn your. But all the time they spend on it. Is, you know, no, I know. No, I'm, I'm not trying to screw yeah. somebody out of their money. But yes, I'm just saying. Yes, you are. There are a lot of games that are really cool, but man, they're expensive. But it's an enthusiast market, you know. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, they're not selling massive amounts of these things. See, Adventure Two, that I would love. That's actually a really good one. Um, but that I would love to have like fully boxed and everything, and that just is not available anymore unless you're buying it off eBay for like two hundred bucks. Right. Um, you can buy the cart on its own. Which is really cool. Which at this point in my life is fine. And I think it comes, oh, maybe it does come with the manual, but it doesn't have the box. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's. Are you seriously just like surfing eBay now? No, I'm looking at uh, Atari Age. Um, <laughs> because they really, this is what's really cool about it. Like they have Tempest for the 5200. Somebody did a homebrew with that. Yeah, I've seen that. It was good. Good. Oh, it wasn't too good. If you have good. problems with the controls on the on TXK, you're going to have problems with that. Have you held that Atari joystick recently? <laughs> the 5200 one? Yes. Yeah. You can roll that thing around in a circle. But it doesn't control like that on the 5200. You know what? Oh. Yeah. I want Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger, that was actually, un, it was finished by Atari, but they never released it. Yeah, but it was yeah. not. But I think yeah. it's out there now. No, I played the arcade game all the time. Well, the arcade game, yes. But the 5200 one was actually supposed to be pretty good. Mm. I thought. I didn't, Cloak and Tiger, I didn't think they actually made. They never actually, they never released it, but they did have a working ROM. <laughs> I have to look that up. I don't think they did because uh, a lot of the ROMs, a I lot of the ROMs. I thought I just looked that ROMs, up like two years ago when I was watching the movie. A lot of the ROMs have hit, like people have been able to, um, actually, people have gotten a hold of them one way or another. 
Um, and that was one I thought that just never came. Like they, mm. you know, everybody thought it existed because, because of the movie basically. Well, yeah, cause in the movie they are playing on 5,200 cartridge, but, um, no, I thought I read somewhere that they had at least, it might not be finished, but I know they had a working ROM somewhere of some portion of the game. At least right, last on. I read. Yeah, it looks like, well, it looks like there is, but this may be, hang on. <laughs> Again, fascinating. so riveting for I all know. these people listening. Scintillating. Um, Dude, that big college word. Thank you. All right. Uh, after the success of the arcade game and movie, Atari ordered a home port of Cloak & Dagger to be created. Right. Programmer Dave Comstock was assigned to write the game first for the Atari 8-bit computer line. That's what it was. Mm. I think the ones that are out there came off the computer. Um, first for the Atari 8-bit computer line, then for the 5200. This was common practice. Working closely with Rusty Dawes, programmer of the arcade version, Dave fired up his modified Atari 800 and started programming. Uh, however, after working on the project for a few weeks, it became apparent uh, the game would have to be larger than 16K. After appealing to Atari's management, they authorized it to become the first 32K, 32K, 32K. <laughs> home game in Atari's history. <laughs> Uh, there were going to be no compromises with this version. Unfortunately, after completing roughly 50%, the great game market crash of 1984 hit. Boom. And then Atari canceled the game. Dave wisely took home his latest version of the game, saving it from almost certain loss. Yeah. Uh, he kept working on it, adding new features, cleaning up bugs. And after a few months, he got a new job and game was put into storage and moved on. Wow. Uh, so it is out there as like a 50% complete version somewhere. Yeah, I thought I'd read that. I, but it's I, just not playable, really. Right. Uh, you can move Agent X around the levels, but that's about it. Mm. No enemies, no forklifts, can't shoot, no God. light bombs, no nothing. I used to love that arcade game. They had it at yeah. uh, Ledgeview, Ledgeview Lanes and Fond du Lac. They had it. That really was a fantastic game, and that's one you never, ever see anywhere anymore. No. It it just completely disappeared from the world. Yeah. And, I mean, it had – it was pretty – I mean, he would run into the elevator, and it would, like, be this close-up on the character, and he'd, like, you know, wipe his brow or whatever yep. if it got really hot. And <laughs> It was it was crazy how how good that game was. It really was fantastic for the yeah. time. Yeah. Oh man. And I love that movie too with Dabney Coleman because Dabney yeah. Coleman's the shit. Yeah. One of my favorite actors ever. Well, that was one of the things in the in the game store, and that that just always made me crazy. I saw that. Oh my gosh! Oh, this just reminded me. I saw that. It was on HDNet a few months ago. They were playing it in pretty heavy rotation, that movie. When it came out, when did that come out? 1980? Oh, God. 86. No, no. 83, yeah, something like that. 82, 83. Whenever it was, I went to the theaters with one of my friends. My parents dropped us off because it was an 8 o'clock show of that, but it was like bundled. It was like a twofer. For, and it was oh, the God, only I time I, it was the only time I ever saw this happen. And I was so excited because it was cloak and dagger and the last starfighter. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, how's that That's for like a twofer? That's like a geek <laughs> And, you know, both of them came out at the same time, and they were like, here they are, you know, one price, and you get in, and you just stay for both movies. And I loved them both. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is amazing. But the thing that threw everybody was, you know, he goes into the game store, and it was like Nirvana there, because they have... Yeah. The temp, Atari 5200 Tempest and Atari 5200 Cloak and Dagger and all these games that never existed. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then people where you're the looking, at looking for it. Yeah, you're looking at them like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want that so bad. And that was uh, Forsyth was playing the guy that owned the store. Um, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his first name. He's John? been on a lot of stuff, though. No, not John. William Forsyth. William Forsyth. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so cool. There you go, folks. Movie of the week, uh, 80s movie of the week. Check out Cloak and Dagger because it's really good. 1984. Okay. Universal Pictures. And doesn't it, it takes place in, is it San Antonio? San Antonio because they, remember at one point during the chase scene, they have those canals. Yeah, yeah. And he gets on one of the boats. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was good. That and The Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter is so amazing. And the Blu-ray is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. They remastered the hell out of that movie. It really is. It's a shame. That hit in 1984 just as everything fell apart. Well, and it's funny because Atari was working on an arcade version of of that game. And it was really close. Uh, the ROM got out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, the ROM got out. It was really close. And then somebody actually did kind of a homebrew version of it on PC. And I had it for a while. And it was excellent. Uh, but it wasn't finished when I was playing it, and I don't know what really happened to it after that. I have – all right. This is going deeper now. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, this USB multi-cart for the 5200 mm-hmm. um, since I own every freaking game there is available for it. Um, but a lot of those prototypes, the only way you can get them yeah. is just as a ROM. A ROM download um, and use it on an emulator yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So – you can you can push them to this multi cart. Right. It, it holds 128 games on it, right. which is great because I mean, there's only 72 games for the 5200. <laughs> so anything else is going to be like a homebrew or a ROM or whatever. So a lot of those prototypes, a lot of those half finished games, I have on there, and nice. there is a half finished version of the Last Starfighter on there. Oh, nice! I'll have to show it to you. It's it. It looks, I mean, it's it's very 5200, but it yeah. looks pretty impressive for the 5200. Um, there's not a whole lot to it. You see the whole beginning where, you know, it comes in around the ship and the ship takes off and... Greeting, and Starfighter. But then it's just kind of like a, like a Space Raiders type thing where you're right. just shooting, shooting, shooting. And right. th- that's all there is to it. There wasn't much that really came along with it, but... Because yeah. they never finished it, obviously. But. Atari was their own worst enemy. Yeah. Like Sega was yeah. their own worst oh, enemy. Oh, yeah. I'm reading that book, by the way. Yeah. That's staggering. I mean, yeah. what they could have done, and if they just didn't... <sighs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't yeah. go too far. I'm only on Chapter 16. No, so. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. All but. right. Yeah, so, all right. Yeah, maybe I'll have to bring the 5200 down for, <laughs> for wow. Extra Life. Well, we can't, I don't think we can stream it. I don't think I have a connector for that we'll old ass shit. Put a camera on it and. Uh, I could do that. And there we go. We can figure something out. But yeah. it'd be kind of neat to see some of that stuff. Yeah, we can figure something out. Yeah. 
All right, you done? I guess. I have a lot. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot and a lot, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, first up, Infamous First Light, which I'll be doing after the break. I've been playing a ton, <laughs> I mean a ton, of Diablo 3. Mm, yeah. Uh, playing online with D-Sonic, uh, D-Sonic X, and a few other people. Uh, finished the entire story. And on the PS4 version, this new Ultimate Edition or whatever, once you finish the story, it goes on to the next act, and that's the DLC. So yeah. that's where I'm at right now is the beginning of the DLC. Um, but, yeah, it was like, I did, well, it was funny because I, I was playing with the guys, and then somebody online was like, how is it on remote play? I'm like, oh, I'll try it tomorrow. So I got on and played it with remote play, and people started joining my game, and I was on remote play. I'm like, I'm just <laughs> trying it out really quick, guys. I don't want to play a full game. And I'm on remote play. And number one, it plays fantastically on remote play. I should be doing uh, that right now while you're talking. Shut up. <laughs> I had to listen to your inane Atari talk for a half an hour. So you'll listen to me, bitch. You were talking. Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, but it was funny because they got on and I'm like, well, crap. And we just kind of played for a while, played for a while. And, you know, the voice chat was working over uh, over the Vita and everything. And it was working. And I'm like, at one point, I'm like, all right, if I'm going to play this, I'm just going to go on to the PS4. So... Uh, it's kind of funny because once you hit the controller button on the on the DualShock Four, it just reverts, so it, it disconnects you on the Vita, and boom, you're right in the PS4 version, and ready to go. So, <laughs> ended up playing for like three, four hours that day, um, and I'm getting all this education on Diablo itself, like you know how the orange or legendary weapons, you don't want to get rid of those, and <clears throat> um, just like what everything means and what you're doing with it, and people were giving me gifts of like these insane weapons. So I think I'm up to like level. I'm around level 40, hmm. which for me is ridiculous because yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Diablo guy, but I've been having a great time with it. Uh, it's a fantastic game. It works great on remote play. It is, it's beautiful. It, it's fun to play. It's fun to control. It's a great time with other people online. The voice chat works perfectly. People can get in and out really easily, which we were having problems with it on the PS3 version last year. It's, it's a fantastic game. I mean, it sucked me in, and I don't know how the hell that happened. <clears throat> um, also plays more Battlefield 4 on our server. Uh, I'll be changing the rotation again uh, tomorrow when, when uh, I'm done with this. Uh, I've been playing on the Battlefield 4 server. Again, the server name is PS and then a space nation. So you can do a search on that and make it your favorite. Uh, and then, <clears throat> so this got sent to us by, for review, but it was it got sent to my house. So... Uh, AB Dave is doing the review for it. I think he actually got it written up now. Um, but I didn't want to wait too long on it because it was another one of those where it got shipped to my house, but I was in Kansas City and I didn't have time to get up there. So I just sent him a PSN card with the game and I said, just throw it on your machine and we'll just use this other one and keep it for all the writers and everything. So on Saturday, I've been in kind of a funk and just trying to get some stuff done and everything. So I just had to clear my head. So I get in my car and I... Just started driving somewhere, and all of a sudden I ended up at my house two and a half hours away. <laughs> so I got there, and I'm like, well, since I'm here, I went in and got the package and you know, got some other stuff, got, grabbed my Chromecast. Got home, and they actually sent us two copies of it because it's online only. I was like, holy crap. So sent one to Josh, which that went out today. And uh, I started playing online with Stoffinator has been really hyped on this game. He's just, that's all he freaking talks about. And when I say that to him, he's like, oh, I do not... But he's been playing it like every day. Uh, so I got on with him and A.B. Dave and some other people and played online. 
Uh, and I played it on the Xbox One. Did I, I sent you the Xbox One version, didn't I? Uh, yes. Okay, which is kind yes. of funny since it's online only. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, kind of. It made, makes total sense. Uh, but I've been playing it. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's, it's just a really beautiful game, and the visual style is excellent, very bright and everything else. It's kind of a simplified Call of Duty to a certain extent, and that's why they call it Garden Warfare. Um, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm not as hyped on it as Dave and Stoffinator. Like, they love it. It's We were playing for a while, and we started off with that horde mode that they have in it. And I don't like horde modes. So I don't know if we just started on the wrong thing or whatever, but then we got into the multiplayer. and I mean, it's 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 good, but it's not my thing. I don't know. I'm going to keep playing it because I think my first impression's we're a little off because I was in a bad mood and we were playing horde mode, which I'm not a horde mode guy and everything. So I'm going to keep playing it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's neat. Uh, you know, you gain all these coins so that you can open up these, these card packs and those card packs can be used for like, uh, there's these little pot pl- or the pot plants, uh, these little, uh, flower pots all over the place and you can hit circle on it and you can build, it's almost like tower defense where you can build certain things in these, in these pots. Um, but you have to have the card packs to be able to do that. Um, it's funny they were saying, like, there's no microtransactions at all, but there are. Uh, you don't have microtransactions for certain items, but you can buy in-game currency. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, you don't have to because you, you earn it like crazy. But uh, people have been getting in there and buying coins so that you can use those for card packs. Uh, but the game's 40 bucks. It's online only. I, I'm, I'm the bad one to judge it. So check out the written review when it goes up, hopefully in a day or two. And check it out but i'll be on online playing it tomorrow i'm gonna to give it another chance it's gonna be a little longer than a day or two okay well whenever it goes up so uh played some more last of us remastered online which i haven't played for like two weeks Ooh, did i suck it up uh still a lot of fun online though man it's just it's a really fantastic game online uh besides the awesome single player uh, very unique multiplayer and and uh it's a lot of fun although that bow and arrow man they gotta fix that you can still shoot around corners with it. There's this glitch that you can shoot around corners every now and then. And uh, the bow and arrow is just way too powerful. So it got a little frustrating. Uh, played some more of The Walking Dead table on Zen Pinball 2. Uh, it's funny, uh, this new guy, Steve, at Zen Pinball, or at Zen Studios, um, who works with Bobby. Uh, he, I didn't realize, but I beat his score on my first play. And he had the top score for a long time. Uh, so I beat his score. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it in the email. He's like, dude, that was my score. I'm like, well, not any longer. Uh, but I really like that table. It's uh it's a very traditional table. It's the, the challenges are really tough though. The, the different missions on it are, are pretty tough, but I like how they do it uh, in the, in the walking dead style. Cause this is based on the video game, the walking dead, not on the show. So they actually worked with telltale on the game. So when you get to the missions, after you choose the mission, you actually get a choice like you do in the game. So, like, you can choose to save this person or, or leave them behind or to steal the food or not steal the food. And that kind of uh, affects the mission structure. So it's it's a pretty interesting concept how they did it and how they worked it in with the game itself. I think it's one of the better tables for audio. Uh, the audio design, you know, like the music and everything else are from the game. And the sound effects and all that stuff are really well done. So uh, top-notch. I, I was I'm actually surprised that i like it so much because i'm not a big walking dead fan but really like it and then uh finally it's been sitting in my hard drive forever uh finally played some transistor 
and it's phenomenal, hmm. like we all know. But it's really, really good, and it's beautiful, and the music is awesome, and it plays awesome, and yeah. So I want to I want to spend some more time with that this week. Just fantastic game. Uh, and then, as we talked about probably three, four weeks ago, at least, I got an email from Nintendo saying, you know, you have until August 31st to get your free game from the thing for Mario Kart 8. I'm like, what? So I got on and I got my free game. I finally got it. So I picked up Wind Waker HD because that was the only one I was interested in. What? Ha- why? How did it suddenly work when you couldn't? I have no idea. Well, no, when I put the code in and everything... It never, it said code accepted, but it never gave me anything. It never told me, like, do you want to, what game do you want to choose or any of that stuff? And that's what we were talking about a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And it never happened. And I'm like, well, shit. But I never got back to Nintendo because I just, it just wasn't on my mind. I just haven't been thinking about it. And all of a sudden, like, what is today, Monday? I think, like, Friday? I got an email from Nintendo. And here, let me see if I still have it. In ten, if only I could type. Here we go. Uh, redeem your free game by eight thirty-one, dear Club Nintendo member. Thank you for reg- registering Mario Kart Eight. We are writing to remind you that you have earned a free download code from Club Nintendo for one of these four great games. I'm like, what the fuck? Hmm. Like, how many times did I go to that and look for it and it wasn't there? So I went on and got it and got Wind Waker HD. I've not even booted it up yet. Uh, but I downloaded it, learned uh, how to find a, a download progress on the Wii U, so I was pretty happy with myself. Um, but yeah, I finally got my game. Very nice. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. Since yeah, because nice. I was going to get the game digitally, and then I'm like, well, I'd rather I, I found a deal on it. Oh, that's right, because I bought it with uh, what did I have? Like I had a a gift card. That's what it was. I had a gift card for it. I think at Best Buy or something. So I ended up buying it there. So happy that I got that. Mm. Um, and then so for wait. any what? Speaking of Nintendo, mm-hmm. Star Fox. Which one was the good one? The one on the SNES or the, the first NES one? Yeah, the, the SNES one. The SNES one. Okay. The sixty-four one's good. It's just not great. No, I'm just looking because they have for the Virtual Console. At Club Nintendo, you can spend 250 <laughs> coins to get the Star Fox 64 on well, the Wii. Not on the Wii U, on the Wii. Yeah, if, <laughs> but I wouldn't even do that because uh, Star Fox 64 on the 3DS is the one you want. Mm. Because they actually put it in 3D and it's actually pretty good. But that's like a whole $40 game I know, where I could I just know. get this for free, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... You know, I say it to Dylan Cuthbert anytime I talk to him. I'm like, why can't you just like do a new game for PSN that's kind of like Star Fox? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to call it anything near that. Just I want a space shooter on rails in 3D. That's all I want. Because the Tomorrow Children is their return to 3D. Now that they're doing 3D again, I want a new. I want a new Star Fox type game. Just call it Planet Dog, <laughs> <laughs> Supernova Rabbit. Yeah, something. I don't care. Yeah, because Star Fox is still one of my all-time favorites. I, there's, I mean, there's so much history with that game with me. Like, I'll never forget going to CES in, uh, I think it was 93 in Las Vegas. And I went with Chris, my buddy that works at Dell. And uh, we got in early somehow. I have no idea how we got in early. I think it was somebody I knew. And Nintendo 
Well, like at CES 92 in, in Vegas, they were actually, it was either 91 or 92, they were relegated, all the video games were in a tent outside. And in 93, finally, they let a lot of them on the show floor, but Nintendo, for some reason, decided, F that, we're going to be in a tent still. So they had Nintendo and a bunch of other ones in the tent still. But Nintendo had, like, this thing right in the middle, and it was like a big planetarium. So it was this big dome and everything. And the whole outside of this thing was all Star Fox kiosks. And I remember getting in, the, in there early. And there's some video of it online somewhere. I think Dylan Cuthbert might have actually put it up. Uh, like, if you got into the dome, they had these big uh, sit-down things for Star Fox with these big screen TVs. And they had a subwoofer in the seat. And you would sit down and play it, and they had like a laser light show going on the, on the dome on top inside. And I just fell in love with Star Fox immediately. Like, the first time I played it, I'm like, this is exactly what I've been wanting for so long, you know? And it was funny because uh, all the game magazines for a long time were comparing it to Sylphid on the Sega CD, which was so stupid. Because Sylphid is a very simplistic vertical shmup with this awesome animation in the background. And they're like, look at all the polygons it's pushing. I'm like, it's not pushing any polygons, it's animation. And and nobody. And, but then you read this book and you see how much a lot of journalists hate, hated Nintendo because they kept the best stuff for Nintendo Power, and they wanted they mm-hmm. wanted Nintendo to fail essentially, so they would give all this press to Sega, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but Star Fox, it was just I got the Japanese one. I didn't have an American cart for Star Fox until about two three years ago. I have the Japanese one. I would just play that constantly. So yeah, I oh God, I love that game. But that was the thing, and I, I just kept going back to Nintendo's booth the whole time during CES that we can play in Star Fox. <laughs> mm. And that's when they were that's when they unveiled the Sega CD, and they had Mark Hunter from uh, MTV walking <laughs> around, and they had this video feed up on this big screen, and he would walk around with a cameraman, and he would come up to you, and, and he came up to me when I was playing um, <clears throat> the driving stuff in Batman Returns on Sega CD with all the 3D and everything. And I mean, yeah, it looked good, but it played like shit. It was, I just didn't like it. So he comes up to me, and he's like, and, and my buddy was recording this too. So I'm, that's why I, I got to find those tapes and get them converted. I, I don't, I don't know where they're at right now. But he comes up to me, and he's like, "Hey, it's like you're Bruce Wayne or something." And I'm like, "Yeah, uh huh, yeah." This <laughs> is like a total dick to him. And then my buddy that had the camera called him. His name was Mark Hunter, but I think he called him, like, Pete or something. And, like, one of the other MTV VJs. And he just rolled with it. He was like, hey. (laughs) It was so pathetic. (laughs) Oh, yeah. CES was so weird, though, because, the like, you go to E3 and how packed it is. CES was never that packed. I mean, you could just walk around and walk up to anything pretty much. Oh, I miss those days. And I pretty much got I was I was one of those GameStop assholes, except it was EB. Uh, I got the buyer to get me badges because I wrote for the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to go so bad. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, so anybody in the Madison area should have told me about this. I didn't realize this, but I'm, I'm driving around on Saturday, and I noticed, like, an, an exorbitant amount of geeks walking around, like, right by where I live. Like, what the hell's going on? <clears throat> so I, I see my buddy Paul on Sunday and he says, Oh, there's this thing called GeekCon going on. I'm like, GeekCon? 
it's like a hotel right down the street from my house. And apparently it's a thing that happens here every year. I didn't know about it. I would have gone. I would have gone and checked it out. But I knew hmm. too, I found out too late that man is a feeling creature. So, yeah, people here in Wisconsin should have told me about that shiz. So next year, if you're around Madison, you go to this thing, let me know and I'll go. Damn it. Uh, watching nonstop, it's kind of getting uh, out of hand. Simpsons. Watching the Simpsons Marathon. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, not having a job right now. I've been falling asleep on the couch every night with it on. I wake up and the Simpsons is still on. And it's scary how much of this stuff I remember. Hmm. Like, I don't remember the periodic table anymore, but I remember lines from Simpsons episodes from 20 years ago. And, and I just have to see five seconds of the episode. I'm like, oh, this is the one that it's, it's frightening. Well, last night when we were watching, when we were just finishing dinner, yeah. um, we went upstairs and uh, Mason was like, Oh, I don't think he even wanted the TV on it, but I was like, Simpsons Marathon. <laughs> and I turned it on, and it was the one where they uh, where they were doing the team building and in the snow and the cabin and everything. Yeah. That had so many brilliant they lines in it. Every single line in that one was just perfect. It's it, The thing that I didn't remember is how how packed these episodes were with stuff that I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you think they're all from these, all all these different episodes and no, they're like all packed into one episode. Like Jesus. Yeah. It was a second. Kill me. Yeah. Well, this is my tablet. Cause I can't, I pulled up FX, FXX on my tablet. Jeez. Oh, Homer. <laughs> all right. No Simpsons while we're recording. No, I'll just turn it down and do all the Damn lines you, in I my turn, head. I turned my TV off <laughs> so I wouldn't be distracted. Oh, good. <sighs> I hate you sometimes. <laughs> all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I've been watching a ton of The Simpsons. Uh, and then I read a couple things. So, I, like I mentioned, started reading Console Wars. Um, at like 174 pages in, uh, I never knew Tom Kalinske did all that other shit. Yeah. Holy crap. Isn't like he crazy? was the man behind He-Man and he was, yep. he revived Barbie and all that. I was like, wow. Cause Barbie was about to just die and yeah. he made Barbie what it is today. And the funny thing is, I think I met him like three times at different CESs <laughs> and he was just a super nice guy, but I kind of laughed at him too, because I thought a lot of that stuff was coming from him. And it wasn't that I was a Nintendo devotee because I was actually more of a TurboGrafx devotee. But uh, the stuff that Sega was pulling, you would look at it and just go, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, it's totally lying. <laughs> Blast processing. But uh, it's interesting to read some of this stuff. And, and it, it's, I mean, the thing in my mind is the fact that <clears throat> the author's kind of putting some of this stuff together out of all these interviews and everything. But I think he's he's kind of recreating some of these conversations in his head. You know what I mean? He's kind of constructing these things on his own, using information that he has about the different uh, conversations. So I'm still taking a little well, bit with, I guess, a couple of grains of salt. Yeah, I mean, you should. But uh, he I, he was pretty clear at the beginning yeah, yeah. that when it's in first person or when it's got quotes around it or when it's this or when it's that, you know, it's... It's actual direct 
stuff yeah. and yeah. other stuff is reconstructed or whatever. So he's, you know, he lays it all out as to how he's doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously even with people saying this is exactly what happened. You kind of have to take this person's memory of it, that person's memory of it and piece it together because it's never going to be word for word. Unless the funny it's recorded, thing is, yeah. You know, <laughs> the the funny thing is, I'm more intrigued by if if how much he's going to reveal about uh, Olaf Olafson and you know the whole Sony thing with Nintendo, where they had a deal and all of a sudden Nintendo's like, no, we're going to go with Philips instead. So I, I got to that point in, in hmm. there at CES where they announced, hey, we had this partnership with, with uh, Philips, even though Sony the night before said we have this deal going with Nintendo. Yep. I mean, I remember that whole situation. Uh, and that's the year before I started going to CES. So I remember the whole time and everything. So I'm I'm, I'm really curious to see if they how in depth he gets with that and everything else. Obviously, you know, half this book is about Nintendo, so I'm hoping they get into it. But um, it's funny because you read some of the stuff that that Kalinsky was dealing with with Japan, with Sega of Japan, and Turbo Graphics is the same way, but they didn't have the budget that Sega did. I mean. Turbo Graphics, everything was run by Japan for so long, and then they tried to combat that by creating Turbo Technologies, and that was out in California. And I, I just remember like hearing all these instances where you know Japan shot us down, Hudson shot us down, because Hudson was a very uh, uh, almost like Nintendo to a certain extent, Nintendo of Japan, where they were just really stilted and, and all about Japanese tradition and everything else, and. Um, it was a very small team of people in America making these changes. Like Airzonk in the in the U.S. has a lot of differences than it does in, in Japan, just like Magical Chase did uh, when they changed some of the stuff at the beginning of the game. Um, and that was a very small team here in the U.S. that was doing a lot of that stuff. And that's what I was doing as I was helping test the stuff when it came to America and they made the changes. So I, I'll never forget John Branstetter, Johnny Turbo, uh, John calling me up one day and he's like, I had a, a build of what was going to be Airzonk. It didn't have a name, though. It was just that was the game. <clears throat> and he called me up, and he says, hey, i got a meeting in a half an hour. We have to name the game. We have to name the – or the, the, the character was named, but the rest of the stuff wasn't. So the levels weren't named, and the characters weren't named except for Zonk himself because that was a contest. So I sat there on the phone with him, and on my build, I could actually skip to the next level, skip to the next level, et cetera. And we went through the whole game, and we named everything on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he went to the meeting. That's what it is in the game. <laughs> so a lot of stuff in Airzonk is because of me. Um, I, I'll never forget that because I was just sitting there and he's like, hey, dude, I got I got this happen in like a half an hour. I'm like, what? <clears throat> but it is funny to see the parallels and, and just how the Japanese, you know, the, the, the Japanese heads of these companies like ruin things because they didn't understand how things work in America and how the yeah. differences were, you know? Yeah. I mean, that whole Sonic thing, I never knew anything. I, I knew some of the stuff or I'd heard some of the stuff, but I never knew how in-depth all that Sonic stuff was. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. Fangs and jeez. <laughs> and then they're like, uh, well, yeah, the developers don't like it. And they walked out of the room on them and all that stuff. Holy yeah. shit. Because so I knew cool, that though. Yuji Naka was actually kind of a, a, a like a hothead and everything. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. But wow. But it's cool because Kalinsky, he looked at that and he was like, look, this is like Barbie. This is like yeah. He-Man. This is like one of those brands, one of those iconic things that will outlive all of us. Oh, yeah. If and it, we do it right. 
Sonic's know? still around. Yeah. Hasn't been in a good game in a long time, but... Well, well no, Sonic... Uh... All-Stars Transformed is really good. Well, but even before that, the... Um... Uh, I can't even remember it. The the last... I don't know the name of it. I My brain is fried <laughs> at this point. Man, it's after 11. I know. My brain is fried. You had to talk Counter-Spice so much. It's all your fault. I know. But it was the last big platformer one that came... Um, actually, oh, Generations. Sonic? Generations. Sonic Generations. I thought that wasn't that good. No, it was good. On the PS3? Because you could play as classic Sonic or new Sonic. Mm. And you had all these different levels. That, that oh, was I remember that really one. good. Yeah, that's all right. I was never um, a Sonic fan. Sonic 4 was pretty good. It's a shame they didn't finish it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, a lot of the games. Uh, the Sonic Lost World is actually pretty good. On the Wii, See, I heard that Wii U. sucked. Yeah, I like what I played on the. I played the demo of it on the Wii U, mm. and I actually liked it. It's like fully three D, crazy. Mm. It's difficult. well, that Sonic three D one for the Wii U and for the three DS. Yeah, that's Not the one. Bad. No, that's the one. Oh, you were saying the Wii? No, I mean the. I meant the oh, Wii U. Okay. It's not um, bad. I played the demo, but it wasn't my type of game at all. I was like, eh, I don't want to play this. Yeah, that's Sonic Lost World. That's the one that's on both but Sonic of them. Racing Transformed is really good. That is good. Yeah. yeah. That's an excellent game. Yep. Yeah. And then um, finally got my issue one. So got to read issues one, two, and three of Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. And it's really good so far. Having a blast reading it. Um. Yeah, so this is the most reading I've done in years. Hmm. <laughs> I read books, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, we've been talking so long. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do the reviews. Maybe some emails? We'll see. Uh, dude, We're not doing emails because Josh has to go to bed. <laughs> it's 11.15 right. and we haven't even started the reviews I know, I know. Okay. alright review of Madden review of Infamous First Light uh, we'll talk some PayPal 2 terabyte drives and get the hell out of here we'll be right back Before we get to the reviews, I want to talk really quick about Extra Life. Uh, so the straggler prizes that I've had for a while, I finally got situated. Everything is sent out for the U.S. Tomorrow, the ones that are going to Canada and the U.K. are going out because I had to fill out. I had to grab customs forms today, 
So grab the customs forms. Got to fill them out tomorrow morning. Send those out. We still have some people that haven't sent their addresses, though. Uh, and I've emailed like three or four times. <clears throat> so send out a final, final email today. If I don't hear back within one week, I'm probably going to send this stuff off. If it's games mm. or something game-related, I'm going to send it off to something like Operation Supply Drop and send some games over to our troops overseas. I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, shirts, anything like that, I'll probably just throw it back into the prize pool for this year for Extra Life. So uh, I want to say some names on the podcast just in case you're not getting the email for whatever reason. So uh, first up, and there's only a few, uh, Karen Delke, or Dikey, Dikey, D-E-I-K-E, uh, Pam Dennis, uh, Sam Geller, Gaynor Gibbons, Gaynor Gibbons, uh, David Luda, David Mankey, Michael McGarry, and who's this one? Brent Overbeck, which I think I know his brother, so I'm going to email him if nothing else. Uh, David Ratcliffe, Janine Rizalmi. That might be it. Oh, wait, here we go. Eric Willard, which I think he got one. I have to find out if he got this game or not. I think he did, though. And Mary Ellen Wright. So that's it. So if I don't hear back from these folks uh, by, the, by like next Monday, we're just going to either throw some of the stuff back into the prize pool or if it's a game or something like that, I'm going to like talk to Operation uh, Supply Drop, see if they can take these games and send them overseas or what we can do and, and try to at least get these to people uh, that can play them. So everything else is out, though. So sorry about the delay. Life happened this year. And uh, most of the stuff went out, like I said. This isn't a big group of things that I had to send out today. Um, it was just some some of the straggler stuff. So I went and found the boxes. Actually, that's one of the things I did it <clears throat> when I went home this weekend. As I made sure I had everything so I could get it out this weekend, and went down in a huge rainstorm and sent everything out of the post office this morning. So uh, the three that are going to Canada and the I think one or two that are going to the UK will go out tomorrow, and that'll be it. Uh, and what I'm talking about maybe for this year, if I end up staying here in Madison. Is I think after we uh, we do the raffle draw for all the prizes, is the weekend after I might host a little party here in Madison somewhere, and everybody can come and help me get all the stuff packed up and ready to go, and I'll buy pizza and beer or something, and we'll get all the stuff sent out before Christmas. So, because <laughs> it's a lot of work. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up really quick. Uh, and Extra Life this year is October 25th. We're going to be uh, asking for prizes probably this week or next week. I'm still trying to figure out this one that is kind of complex, but I'm hoping we can pull it off. Uh, I think we've already got some pretty cool stuff on the way. I think we're going to be getting at least one or two of the new Elgato HD60 capture devices, which does everything at 60 frames at 1080p, uh, and some other stuff as well. So we'll... Uh, Hopefully get that talk rolling in here in a couple weeks on the podcast and get ready for uh, this year. Which I think it's only 24 hours again this year, thank God. Because hmm. that last hour, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, last year we didn't have very many problems, did we? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, we were, you're loopy at the <laughs> end, but... Yeah. I don't think we were too bad. Colette come out of her helped. Mm-hmm. And actually, Bobby's still talking about coming out. She better. Well, she's moving next month. Yeah, it's next month. Moving. I know. But she's moving to Idaho. 
So she might have to like drive eight hours just to get to an airport. Famous potatoes. <laughs> well, she's from Idaho. <laughs> she doesn't smell like potatoes whenever I see her, though. It's George Carlin. Yeah, I know. Live New Hampshire. Live free or die. <laughs> Idaho. Famous potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Potato Boy, why don't you tell us about Madden? Uh, it's football. It's the same as last year. Done. Same as last year. Same, uh, just new rosters, right? <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit more this year. Yeah. And yeah. I got to play it, so I, I uh, there's a couple things I want to bring up, like the whole season thing. It's No, you made it out to be more complicated than it is. It's not that complicated. But I don't like, I still don't like how they did it. It's the way it's been. No, because you have to choose the coach. But unless you turn off the firing thing, so no, I couldn't just just to back up a minute. So I All couldn't right. find a way to just say I want to play a season. So you had to do this offline, uh, what's it called? Offline, offline franchise. franchise. Yeah. Okay. But you can't go and say I want to play as the Packers. You have to choose Michael McCarthy or Mike McCarthy. But if you there's an option that if you're playing really poorly, they'll fire the coach. And I don't think you still continue the Packers at that point. And that I don't want to play as Mike McCarthy. I want to play the Packers. And but there's an option to turn that off, but you have to find it. And that's the problem I had with it. Because I just want to play a simple season. I don't want to manage players. I don't want to deal with drafts. I don't want to do any of that crap. I just want to play a season. Yeah. And that's that's the problem I was having with that. I mean, it well, is in there, but it's really buried. It's it's not it's really. semi-buried. I mean, when you start the game, when you start the franchise, you can choose all those options. They, they drop all those options on the screen and say, do this, do this, do this. But yeah, there is no simple, I just want to play right. that. And that's been gone for years um, because they've been focusing everything on the Madden Ultimate team. And, I mean, they're getting a lot of money out of it, apparently, oh, yeah. obviously, because they sell. <laughs> well, why do you think they added the, the Diamond Diamond Dynasty on MLB 14? Yeah. Because that stuff makes money. Yeah. And, and there's there's all kinds of screens built around buying this and buying that and buying that. All these different packs you can buy. Um. So, all right. Uh, they're using the new fire engine. Is that what it is? Uh, no. Uh, this year, oh. it, fire engine was last year, I thought. <laughs> fire engine. Is um, it? I thought this year was like impact or something like that. I, or... I don't know. I'll probably have it in the written review. I don't yeah. have it off the top of my head right now. Um, so what that does, it... It looks really good. Um, the stadiums, the crowds, everything looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, players look great. Mm-hmm. And superficially, at first glance, it looks better than it ever has looked. Uh, it feels better than it ever felt. Yeah. Play a couple games, though, and you'll start to notice things. Um, and this is where I was having problems. Um my initial thoughts after playing like two games, I thought, wow, this is really awesome. They've done a fantastic job with it. They've really upgraded everything. And 
the way it plays, the way they tackle, the way it looks, the way, you know, the defense reacts, everything. And then I played some more. <laughs> um, right. And that's when I started to notice things. Like I, I was telling you, there's the Scooby-Doo movement. Um, there's the players, you know, where their, their feet are kind of sliding across the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the player who will be charging up the field with the ball and he'll kind of pivot on one foot in mid stride and keep charging, you know? But I, I guess I, I get it, but I have a feeling that that might be the only way they can get some of this stuff working. Yeah, but correctly, I, I don't remember this being a problem in NFL 2K, whatever the last one was. Well, but, <laughs> but you had a much simpler physics I know, system back then. But th- we've been making these excuses for Madden every single year. Yeah. This uh, we've seen these exact same problems every single year. Sure, sure. Uh, there's clipping. It's much, much less prevalent than it's ever been. But you'll still see body parts passing through each other every now and then. I thought it was a lot more rare this time, though. Like I really only saw that kind of stuff when they were in a big dog pile. It is. It's it's a lot more rare. It absolutely is. Um, tackling which I thought was one of the best parts of the game, the more tackles I saw and the more hits I saw and the more variety, I started to see a lot of times where guys would run into each other and their bodies would just go rigid, Mm -hmm. just flat out frozen. And the guy would fall down and everybody's piling on him or pushing him or whatever. And the guy that's down is completely frozen like his legs won't move, his arms won't move. He's just locked into place. It really it became apparent to me the first time when I tried to uh hurdle over a guy and as I was coming down, I got hit and the legs spun up in the air and this is where he locked into place. My player just completely locked up. And his legs spun in the air and he's basically riding on top of three players for four yards um, and then fell down, but still completely locked into place. He wasn't flopping around. He wasn't doing anything. He was just frozen. Um, hmm. And and you start to see that more and more as you get deeper into the game and you play more and you you see more hits and different variations of hits and things like that, you'll start to see these little issues. They're, they're not very prevalent, but they're there and Mm. they're there enough that I started to notice them. Um, and it, you know, it kind of annoyed me because they've, they've spent a lot of time on these and we're 26 years in to Madden. Yeah. And we still have these problems, you know? Um, I, don't th- I don't think that's a fair way to put it, though. Well, no. I mean, this is a whole new engine. I it's- know it's a whole new engine, but we've been we've been glossing over these exact same problems for 26 years. I don't think we've been glossing over them. We complain about that stuff all the time. So why haven't they been fixed? <laughs> because we don't know how game we, development goes. I know, but we went through the entire PS3 generation with this stuff going on. 
and it okay. never got fixed. Oh, well, they'll fix it in the next one. And, you know, we say that every single time and it never gets fixed. I have to point it out. I, you know, maybe I'm being harsh on it, but I have to point it out. Okay. Uh, commentary is another thing. You know, they've changed to Jim Nance and Phil Sims over the past couple of years. Yeah. But the commentary is the same as it's always been. It yeah, sounds that, like that's the thing that annoyed me the most. It sounds like they're reading off the same old script that they've been reading off of, that everybody's been reading off of for the past 15, 20 years. Um, the, the problems I had um, were just that some of it is completely stupid. It's <laughs> just dopey where Sims is. It's important to get the lead, especially in the NFL playing yeah. with the lead allows teams to relax and play better. Well, really. in the four games I played, <laughs> I was getting repeats already. Yeah. You get repeats very quickly. Yeah. And I got a big problem with that, especially like I said, 26 years in, we're getting repeats on all this stuff over and over again. Yeah. For the most part, they follow the plays pretty well and you know, it's decent. If you can forget about the repetition, the commentary is pretty good, but they'll hit one, two, three times a game where they're completely lost Yeah, and have no idea what's going on in the game. Um, I was late in the game. I'm trying to come back. Uh, there's probably less than a minute to go in the game and it's maybe first and long or something like first and 10 and I get nowhere. I get pushed back. So I immediately spike the ball. Um, and <laughs> Phil Sims comes in. Uh, he throws that one for an incomplete pass against cover two. And in that situation, you really want to get the ball down the field. Oh, get the ball down the field. When I'm spiking the ball. <clears throat> when I'm. Oh, when you're actually calling the spike play? Yes, when I'm calling the spike play and I'm lining up and spiking the ball immediately. Oh, jeez. I'm told about how it was an incomplete pass so and I want to get the ball they're not doing down the a field. very good job contextually? Not really, no. No. Um, the rest of the audio is kind of lacking as well. Um, the NFL... Well, what? Yes and no, because I do like the fact that they actually license some of the music that stadiums use. I wasn't hearing any of that. Oh, yeah. Like, I was hearing ACDC in the background. Like, when they're first doing the kickoff, I was hearing a lot of the stuff that you hear in the stadiums. I well, was impressed by that. Which stadiums did you play in? Lambeau. I played at Gopher Stadium, where Minnesota's playing this year next year. I uh, played at Detroit. And what was the fourth one at? Arrowhead, I think. All right, because I was in San Francisco... Texas, Seattle, Philly, uh, where else? Chicago. Um, yeah, I, forget I, I where was else. getting I, a lot of that stuff. I wasn't but at the same time, it. At the same time, not audio-wise, but they weren't even doing the Lambo Leap at Lambo, and they used to do that in Madden. I'm like, uh, they just took a step backward. <laughs> See, yeah, all I'm hearing in the menus, you're getting NFL Films music. Um, no, I was actually getting like ACDC and I was getting... Um, in the menus? No, not in the menus. In the stadiums, I was getting like no. ACDC. I got Rock and Roll number two. I got... Uh, I don't think I got the Stones because they always play Start Me Up. Um, but I got I got like three or four or five 
I was pretty impressed. I wasn't getting that. I was getting the same four or five songs throughout the entire game. I turned off the music eventually. Mm. I turned off all the stadium like background, which when you, you can't just turn off the music, you have to turn off the music, the stadium yeah. announcer, the refs speaking, all this stuff. All It's all in one shot. So I got so sick of hearing the same three songs kind of muddled in the background noise of the stadium because they're, they're distinct. <laughs> and yeah. I was hearing the same three ones over and over again. I said, all right, enough of this. And I just shut it all off. This hmm. was after like four or five hours. Hmm. Um, so I was missing all those other ones if they're there. Uh, hmm. Now it sounds like I'm dumping on it. I'm dumping on it early. Okay. Yeah. Because there is a lot of good here. Yeah. I'm getting all the bad stuff out of the way. Cause it's, it's, small, you know, but it's enough that I was, I, I was just, my mind was like, what really (laughs) still? I mean, I get it. You know, it's a new system, but they had the last one on here. I know it's not the same engine and everything. And I know it's not whatever, but I mean, come on, Uh, how long have we been doing this and how long have we been making excuses for, for all the issues? Sure. Um, Oh, the other thing, speaking of Lambo Leap, I it was like five games before I actually played a game in Philly, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to check that out. Oh, I, yeah. I did the kickoff, and there's the Spectrum. <laughs> now, that is funny. Off, which has been torn down for years. It's just that's, gone. That's kind of ridiculous. So, obviously, they still have not bothered to update anything. They're just no. still using the same old models for all this stuff, just fancied up. Right. Um, one thing that I did kind of like, uh, which it took me a while to, to catch on to that this was happening. You don't see the crowd at all. Like no close-ups of the crowd. No, um, no, you don't. Which is good because I was getting sick of seeing that same guy holding up the <laughs> D and the fence. And the fence, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, that's, I guess, my segue now that I said that. Um, the big thing this time around the big push they did this year was defense right uh it's too good no i don't think so actually um i'll tell you what i played in detroit mm -hmm. and i don't care how much people in detroit are like oh this is gonna be the year they obliterated me i'm i'm not i'm not even saying like it was a close game they obliterated me like it was almost like the entire dev team was from Detroit. Anything I tried, any run I had, I always got stopped behind the line. Any pass I made, no matter what, was batted down or, or picked off. I mean, it was ridiculous. Detroit does have a good defense in the game. I I had a really tough game against them, and I lost. Uh, I lost by a touchdown. I think I was. It was a close game. Actually, they pulled out pretty quick on me, and then I clawed my way back and just barely lost the game. Um, yeah, well. But, uh, and by the, the way, week, I played two games in Detroit and it was the same t- thing both times. Oh, I mean, it was ridiculous. And the one before that, I, I decimated, I had nine sacks against the Jaguars. Yeah, I decimated Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. Um, so defense, it's really interesting. Uh, what they've done here, they spent a lot more time on it um, because I, I was reading up what, they, what they've what they heard, and it's the same with me, 
is that people hate playing defense because you just feel most people hate playing defense because you never quite feel like you can do anything. You, you always feel like you're hung out to dry or you're, um, you can't get past that line of scrimmage. And when you do, you're just, it's, it's just a pain in the ass. Um, they did a complete overhaul on it and they've changed things around and actually made it, um, I wouldn't say like quick time events, but, um, it rewards you, uh, for timing and things like that. And yeah. And I like that because they used to do that. Not that exact mechanic, but they, they kind of had that built into, I don't know if it was Madden or if it was game day, but there was one NFL game that you kind of had that timing aspect. I think it was game. Was it? Uh, I think oh, no. I, I think you're right. Because game day, you could do a day. stiff arm at a certain point, and you could like get through the guys. Yeah, it was all timing. Yeah, I thought it was. I I, I don't I don't remember. But the nice thing with this is, all right. So what you can do as as you come up to the line and you can pick your play, and I'll get back to the picking plays because that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, you can pick your play, and you know you can. Play it just the way you always did. Pick your player, whoever you want to be, and, you know, have that same view. If you hit uh, L3 when you come up to the line, yeah, it circles the camera around behind your player, yeah, wherever he is. And if you're one of the guys right up on the line, um, if you hit R2 right as the ball is snapped, you get a quick jump. You get a really yeah. good jump on the ball. Yeah. And when you lock in with the, you know, the, the offensive lineman, uh, it'll pop up either an X or a square. And if you start tapping on that, you can do a swim move or, a, you know, you can get around the guy basically. Well, it does the same thing if you don't rotate the camera though. Yeah. But I mean, this is one of the big changes that, oh, you yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. but when you, when you rotate the camera, you're locked into that player. Yeah, and I didn't like that. It well, does. Here, here's the problem I have with that because yeah. when I saw the stuff at E3, when they showed that camera flipping around, I'm like, oh, okay. So I, what I thought it was was they were just flipping the camera. <clears throat> so now you're behind the defense instead of behind the offense. Yeah, no. No, that's not what happened. So I did the flip and all of a sudden I was like locked to that character. I'm like, no, this isn't what I want. <laughs> I want yeah no i know and yeah it would be really nice if you just had the camera facing that way but the other problem i was having with it because i did use it uh the other problem i have with it though is that you don't know where the receivers are or anything so you can't even watch what's happening so i love it at the line that you can flip it but what i would rather have is just flip the camera so it's behind the defense and at some point be able to flip the camera again so i can watch the receivers if it's not a running play well, but see, that's see when you flip the camera around and you're locked into that player. Yeah, they did this in um, NCAA. Yes, they had it where you were in your um, your sort of road to the show mode in NCAA football. Uh, and I was I I did the whole high school thing, you know, working my way up to college, and I was a two way player. I was a quarterback and like a safety um, Mm -hmm. just for the heck of it because he had speed. Uh, And with that, you know, I couldn't see half of what was going on on the field, but I had my little part of the field or my guy that I had to key in on. 
Right. That's all I was interested in. You know, the ball goes over the other way and the camera turns a little bit and you can see the guys running that way. It does it here too. You know, you, the camera swings around and I was, I almost always pick a guy right up on the line cause I'm trying to get to the quarterback and I'll let the rest of the defense sort itself out. Yeah. Um, maybe not necessarily the best thing to do because my defense was getting picked apart <laughs> for several different teams I played as. Um, but, uh, what happens is say you're up on the line and you rush in and you miss the quarterback and he gets the ball off. The camera does swing around again, but you know, it's still down at field level. So way off in the distance, you kind of see the action going on just as if you were still that guy and you're still on the field there, you know? Right. Um, so you can't really see what's going on downfield, but you can try to run down and get back in the play. You're probably never going to get there by the time the guy gets tackled, but yeah, you know, it's all there. Uh, I've seen the, I've seen interceptions, you know, coming back towards me and I'll run in and I'll try to make a block. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, it actually, it changes the defense around, uh, the play calling, which I touched on briefly. Um, <sighs> I'm not happy with it this year. Well, you can do it any which way you want. Well, but I don't like the fact that it takes you back to that first screen and doesn't take you into formation right away. That I would always have to pick formation and then go to, like, I-Form or Pro pro Set or whatever. Um, I mean, it still works fine. Um, But I, I wish you could go one level deeper when it first starts up. Like, it knows what default you want and that sort of thing. I... But it's easy. I mean, it's three. It's three per. It gives you that option of which way you want to choose it. You know, which buttons you want to use. I'll have to look at like it that, again but... because I, I had set it a way I wanted it, and it was coming up that way every time. What hmm. you can do the the big thing this year, um, one of the big things this year is that they do um, community community play calling, and uh, well, if you're offline completely. Uh, it's all based on the alpha and the beta that they ran. Right. Uh, and what they do is they'll give you, um, based on the team you're up against and based off of community ratings or even, you know, they'll do coach stuff they, you have a couple different ways of doing it. You can do the regular old play calling like you've always done. Uh, you can do coach suggestions, uh, which are based off of the actual teams and historically, you know, Seattle tends to, um, run slant, uh, patterns on first and long right, or whatever it says. Um, and then you, which it can, it actually does say first and long and at some points, which kind of threw me off, but okay, I get it. Well, you can um, get a, yeah, I know. In first down. that's the thing. That's what threw me off. And I'm like, uh, all right, I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it'll say, you know, this play is, uh, is effective against it 63% of the time. Yeah. Um, with, uh, offenses averaging 7.8 yards, uh, per, per down. Um, so it'll give you all these options, um, right off the bat. Uh, so you don't have to sit there and try to figure out, uh, uh, you know, which one am I going to do here? Um, the community ones are even more interesting because they're taking and they're doing it live now. 
Yeah. Uh, so as it goes on week to week and all these games that get played and because you're, if you're online, you're always connected to the EA servers. It's right. It's compiling all this data and it will tell you 72% of the time, this is the play that people pick and it's this effective, you know? Right. Or it's 72% effective to pick this play against which, this. Which I was taking with a grain of salt because I had the game so early. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. wait, how the frick? Well, that's all based, like I said, that's all based off the alpha and the beta that they ran. Right. Um, I didn't realize that over the, time, the past though. year. Yeah. So that's where they got all that data right off the bat. Uh, but that's one way to play it. You know, if you want to, and it works for offense and defense. You know, they'll tell you, you know, here's the plays, here's the top three plays that you can pick. And and then it gets into a weird thing where it's like, okay, the third play, well, you've, you've picked this play 11 times. So this is your favorite play. So you must want to run this again. Um, you can scroll down and get more plays. You can move out of that entirely, go back to the regular play calling system. There's, there's a whole bunch of different ways, um, to do play calling, uh, one of the things I really found useful, um, and I talked to you briefly about it, was oh. the um, – oh, my gosh. My brain is fried. The uh, – <laughs> I can't even think right now. It's, <clears throat> it's so late. The, the training stuff. Oh yeah, you said that you were actually happy that you went through the training at the beginning because yeah, they've changed things in the control schema so much that you learned some of this stuff. They've trained, they've changed stuff in the control schemes, and they've actually added a lot more to the training. Yeah, and made it a lot more useful this nice. time around. Um, and what they've done with it is they will tell you, um, this is what a cover two slant is. And this is why you run it. And this is what, you know, uh, wide outs, you know, they'll, they'll show you all these different things, why they're effective, how they're effective. They show you how to read the defense. Mm -hmm. They show you, this is the guy you need to key in on. Hmm. If he come, you know, if he stops, then you're going to hand the ball off to your, um, to your running back. Because that guy is keyed in on your quarterback right now. If right. he comes rushing at you, then you need to run with it, you know, and you need to go this way. It, if you're running this um, this passing play, here's your primary receiver. Here are your secondary and third receivers. And these are the two defenders you need to key in on based on how they're lined up on the defense. Like it teaches you all this stuff. Over the course of, I, th I think it's like 50 or so um, uh, drills and 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 just kind of run-throughs. And, right. And it will, it will basically walk you through the whole thing. And you learn so much about the defense and offense cool. of the game. Like stuff that I just never picked up on, I guess, because I don't follow it as closely as some other people do. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, you know, this would be brand well, that, new that's, too. That's the same with me. I, I, I watch football religiously, you know, I, I, but I don't know how to read. Like I, it's really tough for me to look out and say, Oh, that's nickel. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and 
I understand some of the stuff, but I don't know it really well. So the problem was, I mean, I knew the training was there, but I also knew that I didn't have the game very long and I had to send it to you. So I was like, just screw this. I just want to get in and play. Well, yeah, the training, the training will take you hours. Oh, right? yeah. See, I didn't have that kind of time. And it's, it's very, very useful because I ran through it and immediately, like, it'll show you how to, how to shift your, your, your offensive line based on, you know, reading the defense and you're going to shift your offensive line to, you know, collapse to the left, collapse to the right, to collapse in, to cover you, to do, to do all these different things. And the cool thing was like, it worked for the first couple of games, but then when I walked away from the game for like a couple hours and then came back to it, yeah. Then I had kind of lost it all already. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, oh, crap. And I wasn't using it as much. But those first couple of games, I was using everything they taught me and I was dominating. Nice. And then I came back and I forgot half that stuff and I wasn't doing my, my adjustments <laughs> at the line and I wasn't doing all these things and I was struggling through the game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was still kind of holding my own, but it wasn't as. It wasn't, I, I almost want to say as easy, um, you know, oh, okay. because I wasn't reading it as well. Um, but it's really interesting because you can run through all that stuff uh, and actually learn a lot about the game and be, become a much better player mm. um, from using it. So I would, I would absolutely, um, even if you're a veteran with the game and you, you think you know Madden pretty well, I would go through it because they teach you a lot of the stuff on defense um, that you probably didn't know about. Um, and even some of the stuff on offense, I was surprised about because there are plays that I look at and I'm like, Oh, I never fucking run that. Cause I can never get that play to work. And they show you exactly how to get it to work, you know, yeah. against these defenses. And if you combine that with the suggested play calling where it's like 72% of the time, uh, this team picks nickel cover two, or whatever it is, you know, I'm I'm throwing out all these random, <laughs> random combinations, <numbers. laughs> yeah. combinations of words here. Uh, 72% of the time, they pick that on second and long. Mm. So if you run this specific passing play, your guys are more than likely going to cut those seams and get wide open, you know? Sure. So you just have to know to watch for that and you have to know what you're looking for. And it's, it's really interesting the way they've, they've kind of pieced it together. And I know when they started Madden way, way back when, and they actually even touched on it a little bit in the book uh, that you're reading when they started it way oh, back the when Montana thing, well, not even the Montana <laughs> thing, but just John Madden himself Yeah, that he's, you know, he wanted to use it as like a teaching thing. Right. To really I, I teach knew all the that, game. Yeah. And they're kind of getting to it finally, 26 years later. But they're finally getting to well, it you know, in a way. On the Genesis, I mean, actually on PC when it first started, they actually had more yeah. of that stuff in it. Yeah. When they brought it to consoles finally, it was, you know, it was dumbed down. It was a console game. It was a toy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's there, you know, and it's it's very worthwhile. Uh when you finish all that, or I, I don't know if you even have to finish all that before the gauntlet opens up and you can run the gauntlet and it's like a series of, they had the gauntlet last year too. Yeah. It's a series of those, you know, those different scenarios to try to yeah. train you and everything. And, and you get a, you get like four or five lives, they call it. Um, okay. 
And if you fail, that's one life. And if you, they make you run that same one again and again and again until you get past it. But, you know, if you run out of lives, that's it. You're done. Every five levels, there's a boss, quote unquote, a boss. Uh, um, Ray Lewis with a knife. Uh, the first one I run into, the quote unquote boss, is you're at the, you know, your own two yard line and you have to kick a field goal. Mm. Uh, with hurricane force winds, of course. Ah, of course. But because of that, you have to line up the new kicking mechanic, which I love. I really love the new new kicking mechanic. I love it so much. Uh, you line up the new kicking mechanic and try to hit that field goal. Sure. Um, so they have things like that. One of the boss battles was actually pretty awesome. You've got your entire, you've got like 10 guys in front of you in a wedge and you have to make it all the way down the field without being tackled. Oh, jeez. And on both sides of the – there's like yellow lines because it's not the full width of the field. You know, right. they've cut it down to maybe 30, 40 yards wide. On both sides of the line, lining the entire line is the other team. So as you're <laughs> running down the field, the other team starts charging in and starts running into your guys and blockers. And it just becomes utter chaos. And you're trying oh, to boy. pick your way through this and spin and juke and, and jump and dive and everything. It's crazy. Huh. <laughs> uh, but they do little things like that. Um, so that's it's kind of fun. It's, it's you know, a neat little diversion. Um, the ultimate team is massive. Uh, like I said, yeah. um, I, I played a bunch of it. I, I decided I really have to get into it and try to understand what's going on there, but they've added so much to it. Uh, <laughs> and I had to go back and look, I was like, wait, was this there last year? And I had to go look it up. I'm like, no, this is brand new. Okay. No, no wonder I'm confused by all this. Um, yeah. there's a ton of help in it. Uh, you know, it'll show you screen by screen the first time you go through it. It'll highlight things and say, look, you have to do this and this is where you want to and you want to focus on this and you want to do this and this is next and this, hmm. you know, and it even gives you like a series of objectives and you just click on the first objective and it takes you right to the screen and says, this is what we want you to do and you need to hmm. do this, this and this. And then you finish that and it's like, okay, and here's your second objective. Now go do this, this and this. So it'll walk you through and kind of get you up to speed on how this whole thing works. Yeah. Which is really useful um, if you want to get into it. Uh, they have this binder thing um, where you all the stuff that you collect goes into this binder. Um, okay. And it's like a way to organize and select everything, kind of like collecting cards and all. Sure. Uh, yeah, it works well <laughs> enough. I mean, it's it's cool. I just... I. There's so much more in there to get into. It's it's insane. Uh, it's really insanely deep. Um, of course, you have to collect coins um, to purchase all these things. There's also points, and the points can only be bought. Um, uh. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do it all with coins, but it takes forever. If you just buy the points, you can just buy your way right to the top. Um, so you, you also, with all that skills trainer thing, mm -hmm. um, completing each drill, each set of drills, like there's the offensive, the defensive, the, you know, all the different, 
the running, the passing, everything. As you complete each full set, you get like a set of cards for Madden Ultimate Team. Oh, okay. So you can unlock a ton of stuff by going through it. You know, they make it worthwhile in that respect to go through it. Um, but I was, I was really impressed by all that, by, by everything that they show you on how and where to pass the ball, when to pass the ball, watch the defender, you know, watch when your guy gets past this point, then you open up and it's, it's really impressive. Um, the the franchise mode, you know, with the general manager or the coach or see that's what you have to do. You have to do it as the basically as the owner. You have to run it as the owner. Mm-hmm. You were trying to run it as the coach. No, I tried to do it as the owner and that was more a management thing. No, you can you can turn oh, off all I that management stuff. Yeah, then I didn't see it. Yeah. Because if you I it just as I'm thinking about this, it all hit me. Yeah, you do it as a, as the owner, and you know, in the first couple of screens, as you're setting everything up, you can turn off. You can say, you know, computer do everything, all this yeah. stuff, and I just play the games. Um, and you can do it that way if you want. I left a lot of it on because. I know I, I tend to ignore most of it, but I do enjoy going in there and messing with, Oh, I'm going to charge like $5 for a hot dog (laughs) as dopey as it is. Yeah. As dopey as it is, I enjoy going in there every now and then and and tweaking stuff like that, you know, tweaking the, the prices of the seats and everything and, and seeing how much money I can pull in every week. Um, and then going through and, you know, signing players and, re-signing players and doing all that stuff. It's I, I enjoy that. Um, I've always enjoyed that in Madden. That, that's all there. All that stuff is still there. Hmm. Um, what else? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it actually plays really well. You know, there are all those little issues that I, that I harped on at the beginning. Sure. Um, and early on, I, I loved it. Uh, I've, become a little bit more disillusioned as I've seen a lot of these things kind of stack up sure. um, by playing it more and more often. Um, it's still a really good game. Um, I, the engine really impressed me. I mean, yeah. it, it looks fantastic. Now, it, it, it truly looks quote unquote next gen now. Um, especially just what mm. they did with the environments. You know, the stadiums look fantastic. The crowd looks great. Uh, but even like the lighting, the one thing that really caught me off guard was I was playing a, like a three o'clock game. And when the sun started going down, not only was the sun moving and the shadows were moving, but right when it got to the, you know, that border, the sunlight actually kind of turned that red color yeah. and it was reflected on the crowd even. And I was like, wow, that's a really, you know, it's a small thing, but it's a great touch yeah. in, in terms of just getting you into the, into the uh, environment itself. Um, but you know, the grass looks like grass all the time. It doesn't, it's not, you know, Mm. it only looks like grass when it's close. That's, I mean, when you pull out, obviously you don't see the blades of grass all the time, but that's kind of normal. Yeah. A lot of the, well, a lot of the stadiums I played at where I know it's grass, it, it, it looked like turf. Like it looked very artificial to me for some reason. Well, you're you're not seeing that grass kick up i mean like last year it was a little bit absurd how much it was kicking well that was the thing it was like this particle system almost um 
But they've but I, they've kind of dialed it back entirely in the other direction where nothing yeah, comes up. But I, I really like how the uniforms look. I mean, they don't look yeah plastic anymore. They actually look like the real players to a certain extent. And you know, obviously the bigger players, their faces are all mapped and all that. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, that was the first thing that really grabbed me is visually, it's not just a roster update. Like a lot of years, it, it it's a big step. It is. Um, it, it still has its problems, um, but it is a fantastic game. There, There is a ton of stuff in there. I mean, you could just get lost in in the Ultimate Team easily. Right, right. Um, or you get lost just uh, doing the, uh, you know, the franchise modes and everything. Uh, so I, I, I still recommend it. You know, I still think it's a really good game, but this one I'm giving an eight. Um, okay. I think it's, it has, you know, again, like I said, last year, last year was really exciting because it was a great first step. Usually yeah. the first game on the new system is pretty bad. Yeah. That one was a great one right out of the gate. And I was looking forward to how they were going to build on it and make it better. They've added some functionality. They've taken away some functionality and, a lot of that stuff that's been there is still kind of lingering and hanging around. Yeah. I think um, last year's was kind of a stopgap while they tried to get this new one up and running. And I, yeah. you know, it sounds like it took longer than they expected. So they had to take a couple things out. Yeah. So maybe next mm. year will be the big, an eight, big one. And eight is still a great score for this game. It is. Yeah. Um, well, actually I was, I was leaning towards 7.5 for a long time. And then I realized that maybe I was, uh, harping on the the bad stuff a little bit too much because I all that stuff was fresh in my mind and then I started to piece together all the other you know the Madden Ultimate team and the the trainer and the you know the franchise mode and this and that and I started putting all that stuff together and I was like well you know what it's better than a 7.5 <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah it's cool. it's an 8 cool all right. Uh, well, mine's going to be a lot shorter. Yeah. Uh, well, because I can't talk about the story. I just don't well, want to yeah. talk about the story at all. But uh, Infamous First Light, this is going to be 15 bucks uh, out by the time you, you hear this podcast. Uh, and the written reveal will go up in the morning. But uh, this is uh, kind of a side story from, from the main Infamous Second Son. Uh, and it's all about Fetch, uh, who had the neon powers in the original game. By the way, if you haven't played Infamous Second Son, you're probably going to get a little bit of a spoiler-y to a certain extent. So, sorry. If you haven't played it, why the hell you... Ah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, this is not really DLC for the game because it's, it's a standalone product. You don't have to have Infamous Second Son to play this. Uh, and actually, in the UK, it's going to be out on disc as well. Yeah. So, here here in the States, it's... Uh, download only, but over there you can get it on disc. So uh, it's it's set, you know, the same setting. It's in Seattle. Uh, it, it's all the same gameplay that you you played in Infamous Second Son in terms of controls and everything else. This has got all the updates they made to the graphics, so you know it doesn't dip in frame rate anymore. And they fixed a lot of the environmental stuff. Uh, you get a little bit of weather. You get some rain every now and then, that sort of thing. Uh, you'll get the day and night cycles, uh, which it doesn't actually show. It's cycling from day to night like it did in Second Sun. Uh, you know, where it would do like that fast forward thing. Mm. Um, but that's fine. I mean, it, it, it's it's the same game. That's what's so funny. It feels like you're playing the same game. 
in terms of how it looks and feels and everything, but you're playing a new character. So Fetch, she only has that one set of powers, and that's the Neon powers. So already you're going to be playing a little bit differently than with Delson, since he has all these other powers that he gains throughout the game in Second Son. Um, but you can still upgrade her powers as well. So you have that same upgrade system uh, that you had in it in Second Son, but it's not as complex. It's pretty much just top-down, uh, you know, uh, just keep adding to these this set of, of powers. So you have, like, I think five or six different categories you can add to. Um, and how you do that is you can pick up these, uh, oh, what are they called? Lumens, I think they're called, and uh, they're all over the city. It's kind of like you know all the, the the shards you would look for in the other infamous games, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are pretty tough to get, some of them are pretty easy to get, and they're actually the best way to get uh, skill points to to spend on all these powers. So the main story, you'll get through the main story in about probably five or six hours, roughly, uh, on most of the difficulties. The story itself, I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was very well done, very well thought out, and the way they laid it out uh, I thought was next to perfect in terms of pacing and on all that. And there were some really good twists and turns in it. Uh, so I really liked it, and I, I liked how it even ended up and, and where they ended it. It was very, very cool how they did it. Voice acting, awesome as usual, as you'd expect. Uh, every single character was voiced very, very well. Um, but that's the thing. It's five, six hours to get through the story, but there's so much more to play in this. So... There's 97 different uh, events all over the city. So there's, like, uh, different races. You can do the graffiti, like Delson could, but instead of using paint, you actually paint in neon this time, which is stunning how it looks. Um, so there's all these different events, and you can do these at any time. You can you can stray away from the story at any time, just like in Second Son, and just roam around the city and do whatever you want. So... You can either do all these different events that are up there. You can just roam around, you know, fight against dupe soldiers, you know, try to help the cops or hinder the cops, that sort of thing. Uh, very open world. Uh, and and here's my recommendation. So when I played it, I, as always, I just hit the story hard. I just went through the story, just went right through it. But when you're just doing the story, if you don't stray too much, it's very tough in comparison to uh, to actually earn a lot of uh, skills points to a certain extent. So my recommendation, actually, is do some of the mission stuff first. Like, get through a couple of the story elements uh, up until you can get to the free roam area. Once you can free roam, go do some of the missions. Go do some of the events and stray away from the story and, and build up your SP points and upgrade what you can and actually build up some SP points even that if you can't use them yet because stuff hasn't unlocked. Um, because it's it's going to be easier for you to get through the story elements if you've built up your powers a little bit. The other cool thing is is they they will veer off every now and then in the story part of it, and they'll take you into these battle arenas. And this is when you start unlocking more of your powers. This is their way of letting you learn how to use your powers. And these battle arenas uh, also have another use in the game that I'll talk about in a minute, but... Basically, it's this humongous arena with uh, obstacles everywhere and different platforms, just different layouts, and you'll fight against these holographic enemies. And you can even get up to the point where uh, events unlock in these battle arenas, and it's almost like a, a horde mode of sorts where waves of enemies come at you, and you can use that to hone your skills. These arenas also have online leaderboards. 
and uh, you know you can go against all your friends in it. You can try to get the worldwide score, which these leaderboards, these kind of uh, mechanics that they put in the game add to the replayability for a lot of people. So again, the game doesn't have online, like you know your typical online game. There's no multiplayer, nothing like that. But it does have this online element of using the leaderboards. You can hit triangle when you're in the battle arena, check that stuff out, uh, and it adds a lot. So when I was doing uh, my playthrough, the the servers weren't even up yet, so I can't really tell you how well they work. But uh, I've, I've I, I could have looked at it today. I just wasn't home, but um, but it is there and it's neat. The other cool thing is. If you own Infamous Second Son and the data is still on your hard drive, like your save file and all that stuff, you can actually play through all these battle arenas as Delson, which changes things up quite a bit because he obviously has multiple powers. He doesn't just doesn't have the Neon powers. So, unfortunately, I couldn't do that, and I'm going to call him out. I couldn't do that because I couldn't find the copy of Infamous Second Son that we have. I'm looking everywhere. I'm like, did I leave that at home? And then I was on with AB Dave one night. He's like, no, I still have it. I gave that in April. April! And he still has it. So I couldn't try Delson out. Oh, All AB Dave's fault. Yeah. So, uh, but it is cool that you can do that. And that they kind of have that, that, uh, that link between the two games. But like I said, you don't need to own Infamous Second Son to play First Light at all. It's a wholly separate and on its own thing and uh but i like the fact that they did put that link in there and, and you, you kind of benefit from it if you own both versions of it so uh you know visually it's 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 what you would expect audio it's what you would expect uh the story i really enjoyed like i said uh gameplay is excellent i had a blast with it and uh it's 15 bucks which is actually for the amount of content in this game 15 bucks is pretty damn good for this yeah there's so, a lot of content it is. It's a ton of content. Um, I actually haven't finished all the missions yet, so I ne- or all the uh, events. The other cool thing is, uh, you know, she has that neon dash. So they did something new in this where you end up releasing this neon gas all over the city. So what happens is when you start your dash, this neon, the, you'll see these little nodules all over the, the like rooftops and on the streets and everything. When you start your dash, it'll expand and it'll be like this little ring of neon gas. So if you run through that, you'll actually run even faster, uh, which is really nice when you have to get to the other side of the map. So uh, they've put some new stuff in there even. It's not just, oh, you're just using her neon power and that's it. They let you expand on it, and it, it's really neat how they did it. So, uh, again, I don't want to give any story elements away because the story is very well done, and uh, I think you, you just need to experience it yourself. So I gave it a 9.0. I think it's it's fantastic. If you're an infamous fan, I mean, you're playing as a comic book hero. And uh, this is kind of her origin story to a certain extent because you get to learn more about the character. So uh, I, I love how they implemented it, and uh, I think it's, it's it's definitely worth the money. It's fun. Cool. Yeah. So let's do PayPal stuff really quick, and we'll talk a little bit about the 2 terabyte stuff. We'll get the heck out of here. Um, I don't think we have too much for PayPal because it was just the monthly stuff. So let's take a look. 25th. So let's see here. We got, uh, I think I said this one last week, but I think this is the last one. So uh, Joshua Langus, three bucks. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, Let's say this one just in case too. Bradley Jackson. Oh, yeah, we didn't say this one last night. 
Uh, oh, yeah, this is. This is the 50 bucks from Brad Todd, you crazy, crazy Aussies. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, from Brent Cameron sent us $15. Said, hey, guys, enjoy the show. Hope this helps a little to keep you going. This PSN ID is squeeze. I don't even know how to say that. S-Q-U-E-E-Z-X. Squeezix, maybe? Yeah, I think I know that guy. I've seen him online before, yeah. yeah. I, I think I played a game with him every now and then. And then from uh, Tim Kumnick, uh, 12 bucks, he says, Hey, Glenn, Josh, and PS Nation team, you guys have given us hours upon hours of entertainment. Well, entertainment's a strong word. Uh, over the years, giving you this money is the least I could do. I first started listening to the podcast when Jared Lal asked David Jaffe to say something to make us famous. Say something to make us famous. Uh, so I've been listening through all of the PS Nation airs. Wow, that was like episode 42 or something? Wow. Uh, I love the movies slash TV talk as well as gaming stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. From uh, his, his PSN name is Shorty's. S-H-O-R-T-Y-Z. Oh, it's East TK. Okay. Thanks, man. Let's see here. That might be the last one. All right, that's the last one. So I gotta say, yeah, I'm looking at the box for Infamous First Light in the UK, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I I kind of want it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need me to uh, email somebody to see if we can send, Ooh, get one sent over? Yeah, I'll see what I can. Do. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Uh, all right, so two terabyte drives. We talked about this last week, where I put the one terabyte. Uh, hybrid drive in and i wanted to see if uh, the performance was really worth it or for if you just want to go to raw storage uh what we had our listener actually contact sony about it and sony were telling him and again these are sony tech support people that are reading a script so just take that for what it is uh that were telling him that if you went over 1.5 terabyte it would screw your system up now i had heard from a few people that have a two terabyte never said anything about their system being screwed up so uh, we asked for emails last week, and we got them. So first up, uh, William McKellar, I have a 2 terabyte in my PS4. Only issues I had uh, is that you need the right firmware updates. And, and a few people have said this. So when you put a new hard drive in, you can't just download the regular firmware file. Uh, there's actually a special one for, like, an initial install. <clears throat> Very easy to find. Uh, just go to Google and basically type PS4 firmware hard drive uh, hard drive install, and it'll take you to the correct one, and it's always the newest one. So it's pretty nice. Uh, he says that he got a Seagate M9T. It's the one I use and others. Uh, you can get an external casing for cheaper than as a standalone internal. So it's the model. It's the Seagate STDR2000201. So uh, that one works. Next up, Casey Fowler says he and a buddy both upgraded their PS4s to a two, two terabyte hard drive back in June. No complaints whatsoever. Uh, so he got another, it's a Samsung two terabyte as well. It cost about 120 bucks back then. It's down to $155. It's the wait, wait, Samsung. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what? Cost 120 bucks back then. Oh, no, I'm it's sorry. down to 155 No, it's 124 right now. I'm sorry. What's <laughs> the wrong thing? Dude. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's the SpinPoint ST200LM003. Um, I'll try to maybe do a post on this, and I'll, I'll get all this stuff loaded up on the, on yeah. the site. Yeah. But uh, they said that neither of them are having any problems at all. So thanks, Casey. 
Uh, next up, Eric Chorn, and he says, uh, let's see here. Wow, this is a long-ass email. Uh, install the drive at the end of June. Haven't, ha- haven't noticed a single issue thus far. The drive doesn't seem any faster than the stock drive, which shouldn't be. Because it's the same speed, uh, so but he didn't. He doesn't really. Oh, it's an. It's the same spin point M ninety. So he put that same drive in. Uh, TJ Phelan, uh, he has a two terabyte drive in his PS four for a few weeks with great success. After apparently after firmware one point seven came out, all previous problems were fixed. Oh, huh. so he has the same exact one, the Samsung spin point M ninety. So it's the third person that's told us that drive. We have a couple more here. Uh, David Bouch, I installed this drive on Monday. It works wonderfully. Biggest issue is downloading the correct firmware. Um, so let me see here. He gave me a link. Same thing. Same Seagate 2 terabyte laptop internal SATA drive. Um, maybe I'll just say this model because everybody seems to be having good luck with this model. Uh, Paul Staples. Your last name is Staples, really? Uh, same thing. Installed a Samsung hey, M19. Hey, he's heir to the Staples fortune. Leave well, him alone. at least it's not... Paul Office Max. <laughs> Paul Office Max Power. <laughs> Isn't that the same as Office Max? Yeah, but it's faster. There's the right way, the wrong way, and the Max Power way. Isn't that just the wrong way? Yeah, but it's faster. <laughs> uh, Samsung M92 terabyte in my PS4 about two months ago. Haven't suffered any problems so far. In fact, the drive is actually quicker when installing games and loading time. Well... Let's see here. Yes, yeah, so that's the same exact one there. So it's sounding like that M9T is the one to go for. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, and this other, this one from John Brooks is the exact same drive. So sounds like the Seagate M9T 2 terabyte drive is the one to go for. Uh, we'll try to find that. It's definitely up on Amazon. So maybe we'll write something up and we'll put our Amazon link in there. Sure. I'll get you the uh, the correct info for that, Josh, and we'll maybe get that posted tomorrow. I will. So thanks to everybody for emailing about those those hard drives. Uh, really appreciated. And uh, it's good to hear that people aren't having any problems with that. So, all right. You ready to get out of here, Josh? Yeah, you got to get to bed, boy. It's 1230 almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, wow, what a long one, but it was still a lot of fun. This was a great one. I enjoyed this one. It was. Uh, so if you want to reach us, oh, by the way, Poop and Flames left us a voicemail. I cannot get Skype working on the uh, the little laptop here tonight. So uh, I'll record it and we'll use it next week because I think he was kind of, see, I have it all set up. So we have audio and all that. And yeah, so thanks a lot, Skype. So Pooper, we'll use it next week. Sorry about that, bud. Because uh, we haven't had a drunk call from Pooper in like ages. And I think he was kind of tipsy when he left it. So we got to hear it. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can do that in many different ways. You can send us an email at podcast at psnation.com, or you can go to the website at psnation.com. Look on the left side, scroll down a little bit, you'll see that contact us area. That's where the PayPal link is, too, if you want to do the PayPal instead of using our Amazon link or any of the other affiliate links and you still want to help us out. So that's where all that stuff is on the website. Uh, so you can hit the Contact Us button, email us that way. You can actually uh, leave us a voicemail by calling WDT-Torgo on on Skype, or you can just call our voicemail line at 408-657-VITA. That's 408-657-8482. And uh, if it's good enough, we can actually understand it. We'll use it here on the show when we, when we don't go four hours. Uh, don't forget our Facebook group and also our Facebook page. So like the page, join the group, 
but also keep your eyes out. Hopefully in the next few weeks we'll get the forums up and running and maybe migrate away from Facebook groups because had a couple of people back me up today because they've also heard that Facebook's trying to get rid of groups. So we're trying to be proactive for a change for once in our seven and a half year history, trying to be proactive, <clears throat> you know, although somebody today on Facebook thought that PS nation was actually a Facebook thing and nothing else. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. <clears throat> uh, don't forget if you use Stitcher, we are on Stitcher. Uh, they've actually been tweeting us every week when we put the show up. It's pretty badass. Uh, so uh, go over to the video game section of Stitcher if you if you like to stream those podcasts, and we're up on there. We're usually pretty close to the top of the page too. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can check out all of Josh's crazy ass rantings at PJF Josh, or you can follow the main account at PS Nation. Don't forget our VGEVO podcast network over at VGEVO.com. Don't forget uh, you can sign up for the free trial through our affiliates at audible.com. So if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash PSNation, sign up for the uh, free trial and you get to choose from over 150,000 audiobooks. And even if you don't stick with the entire trial and, and quit beforehand, guess what? You get to keep that book still and we still get a little piece of the action. So it works out great for everybody. And don't forget, on psnation.com on the left side, there's that affiliate link section. Got affiliate links for all kinds of different retailers like uh, GameStop and uh, uh, what's the one in Canada? Tiger Direct. Uh, Tiger Direct in Canada. We've got stuff up there for a bunch of different ones. And also the one that usually works out the best for us, uh, amazon.com in seven different countries. So instead of just typing amazon.com, go over to our affiliate link section. And just click on that link. And even better, click on the link the first time and make it a bookmark. So then you can just say, if I want to go to Amazon, I just hit this bookmark that already has our link in it. Boom, you're right there, and it's no extra work. And the cool thing is, whatever you buy, after you click that link, we get a little piece of the action. It doesn't change your experience whatsoever. Uh, you, you pay the same, everything looks the same, but we get a little piece of the action for referring you over to that website. And that helps us pay the bills that helps us pay all the shipping for all these extra life prizes and it helps us take these trips so we can check out these games ahead of time or go to the conferences and talk to all these developers it helps us pay for our web server it helps us pay for our forum software that we had to buy uh, and get all the services for so we thank everybody so much for uh, for doing that and uh, we, we couldn't do this without without you guys using these links and everything else so we appreciate it and uh, it's just the price of getting more popular, I guess. Popular? Yes. Well, I don't know about popular. Kind of uh, popular? I'm not really the popular kid. I don't know how to handle it. I feel like I should kind of like poof up my hair a little bit and wear a letter jacket. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this long-ass show. Thank you so much to uh, to David Nottingham from over at Dynamite for for joining us for this great talk that we had. And uh, get out there and try out Counter Spy. Seriously, it's a fantastic game. We're not just bullshitting. We love this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and check everything out. Uh, and thanks very much, everyone. Get out there, play some games. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week. All right. Since we're still recording. God damn it. <laughs> by the way, next week we're going to have somebody on for Raise the Dead, by the way. We're going to have Chris on for that to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. What? We didn't record. You know, I didn't record when we had. Um, I know. Yeah. So since I've been recording, and I know that we stopped briefly for a break. Yeah. And all. 
my time is over three hours. Yeah. And the uh, counter spy thing was about an hour. <laughs> yeah. We haven't, you know how long it's been since we've hit four hours? Oh, people, people out there. <laughs> they I, love them. My guess. Because they listen to it in parts. My guess it's is, is going to be like three hours and 23 minutes. That's my guess. No, this is going to be, I think, at 4.02. Really? Yeah. No. I think the recording for uh, David was about one oh six, and I'll be cutting about five minutes off because it was all bullshitting at the beginning. And I'm at three oh five right now. Yeah, so me it's, too. I think it's gonna be four oh two. No, because I was gone. I I had to put little man to bed. I was gone for a while. We didn't record when we stopped with him though. Are you, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> we, only, we only took our regular break on, when we were recording, and that was maybe five minutes. Oh my gosh! And yeah, we had a long 30. one tonight. Wow, people! Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, you bastards! Look, so there you go, killing me, people. It's twelve thirty at night uh, for Josh. Twelve thirty in the morning for Josh, <sighs> and he has to work in the morning and get up and work out so he's not so fat. You fat fuck, uh, yeah. fat piece of shit. Yeah, see what I have to put up with, everybody. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh huh. What you have to put up with. Uh, anyway, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. I have uh, internet access right now because things are going pretty well, and I'm sure some of you guys are online as well, and. I like the internet, but it's very annoying sometimes. Like, does this situation happen to you? You're sitting at your computer, working on something really important, and then you just think, man, I wonder if Home Alone 2 made more money than Home Alone 1. I gotta look into this now. Sorry, important work, something more pressing has come up. I do stuff like that all the time. And what's so annoying is once I start looking into one thing, I'll see something else I want to research. For example, in the Home Alone situation, I'll be looking at that and I'll say, oh, wow, Joe Pesci's in that movie. I don't know much about Joe Pesci. Maybe I should learn everything about Joe Pesci. And then I'll spend hours doing all this Joe Pesci research, and now I know so much about Joe Pesci. But it's useless information. It's never going to help me. I never heard of a situation where a guy's been in an alley with a dude with a knife just like, you're going to die tonight. Unless you could tell me the name of the album Joe Pesci put out when he was a little kid. <laughs> little Joe sure can sing. Damn it, you're free to go. <laughs> How come so many people know that? I got to stop integrating Joe Pesci trivia into my murders. People know more about him than I anticipated. <laughs> I always waste time like that. The other night, I was up late. I remembered I'd never seen any of those Saw movies before. They're not supposed to be particularly good movies, but a friend of mine told me, Aziz, you got to watch Saw 1. The twist at the end of Saw 1 is crazy. And I love twists at the end of movies. So I went on YouTube, and I typed Saw ending. Sure enough, the clip comes up. I know what you're thinking. Uh, Aziz, you didn't see the rest of the movie. The clip won't make any sense. Don't worry. I'm not stupid. First, I went on the Saw Wikipedia page, and I read the plot summary. And when I got to the last paragraph, I stopped. Then I went back and watched that video, and let me tell you, I did not see that coming. <laughs>